It is the Chair Shot Podcast back yet again, and yet again, we do not have a quiet week to to fall back on, folks. It's another wild one. As I sneeze during the intro, <laughs> oh, that's good stuff right there. Pretty quick with the mute button, though. You can't stop me, boys. I'm, I'm, I'm on top of my game here, even though I'm not on top of my allergies, because uh, we are kind of slowly entering um, hay fever season. This was the first properly warm day of the year here in in somewhat sunny Ireland. Uh, also in Ireland, in a questionably sunny state, Mr. Paul Griffin. Very sunny. Very sunny where you are? Oh, yeah. Excellent. And crossing over uh, the Irish Sea, there's one Joe Towner. Hello. Hello, everyone. It's been What's, a bit sunny. It's been, yeah. on, it's been on and off, to be honest. It's... Uh, we should bl- make his bloody mind up, if anything. <laughs> That's right. I mean, we're just getting, let's get stuck into weather guff for the for, for the opening just, uh, half hour here. Like, it's, um, a- it's April, you know what I mean? I'm just like, yeah. oh, we need to move on. We, I feel like the year's half done and, we, and I'm still waiting for the proper sun to come out. You know what I mean? Yeah. <sighs> so long as it's shining upon us for dear old Wembley. That's all that really matters, oh, is sure. the folks. <laughs> It will be baking. It will be 55,000 sunburn, oh, uh, God. British, Irish, and smattering of Americans, and yeah. probably, probably some French as well. Probably some French, some Germans, a little bit, yeah. a little bit of everything. A couple of them. Um, yeah. So, I mean, as, as I mentioned there at the top of the show, I mean, there is just a, a bounty of, of wrestling, and indeed AEW-specific uh, uh, related uh, stories to jump into this week uh where to start i mean we mentioned wembley and i suppose wembley kind of ties into everything else here because i think the timing of the various cm punk stories and rumors and the the many many power plays going on in aew right now i think it can't be that much of a coincidence that this is also kind of um uh, on the cusp of what's likely to be their biggest gate in company history, mm. and indeed an historical gate for a non WWE uh, American promotion in history, even. Um, so I suppose the, the the caveat for the rest of the stuff we're going to talk about is that the uh, All In presale is allegedly, according to this week's Observer or last week's Observer, I think it was, uh, is allegedly up to forty five thousand signups. Now, obviously, that is. That is people who go on the little link and it's basically notify me of the pre-sale. Pre-sale May 2, general sale May 5. So uh, one of the things I was excited about when they announced this date was, oh, well, because it's Wembley. None of this farting around trying to get tickets and, oh, Ticketmaster's dying. And, oh, no, the three arenas sold out. Oh, raging, I'll have to buy a secondary market. Thank God we won't have to worry about that. But it's increasingly feeling like, certainly if you have a specific budget in mind or a specific tier you want to get to, that actually... It may, in fact, be a very chaotic morning uh, forthcoming on May the second because uh, this is this is this is shaping up to do to do gangbusters business um, uh, for AEW. Now, obviously, obvious caveat: not everyone who signs up will necessarily buy on day one. But to counter that, I would imagine a good percentage of people who will be buying on th- that day have to be buying two. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. People looking to sit together and stuff like that. So, I mean, what what are what? I mean, and obviously, you take these numbers with a grain of salt. Of course, it is pro wrestling. The other thing I was thinking about just before we came on here is that this number might be successful enough that they may be able to just do a kayfabe sellout announcement. You know what I mean? I mean, most sellout announcements in wrestling are 
mostly bullshit anyway, do you know what I mean? So they, uh, you know, I don't think they could do that if they sold 20,000 tickets, but I I think they may come in within the region where they can just lie lie within a reasonable degree and say they sold out. And I think what they would also like to do is if they can, if they can get a little cheeky, sell more than Clash at the Castle number out there, um, I think they would love to do that. Uh, so what are you boys making of this? And are, are, is is anyone ready to revise their estimate and say they will sell out? I'm not there yet. I don't think that's a I don't think that's a reality. But I'm, I'm okay. I was also very bullish on it from day one. It, it depends what we're saying by sell out as well. Like ninety thousand? No. Yeah. Yeah. I, I as far as I know, the according to to Meltzer's numbers or the kind of generally accepted numbers, even the biggest number WWE have ever done is eighty thousand paid. Yeah. Like even the, the the one you went to, Barry, it, mm. it, it was 100,000 or whatever, but the 80,000 was the figure, biggest. It was the actual number, yeah. I think that's the biggest number they've ever done paid, like in terms of paid actual tickets sold. Mm. So I can't imagine AEW beating that 80,000 no. figure. Like that's, that's freaking huge. But 60, 65? Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I noted that um, Clash of the Castle had 50,000 people pre register. Uh, which was a record for WWE, and so th- their numbers not far off that at the moment. Right. So if they and that ended up doing what sixty, I think it was sixty three, sixty four thousand. So I don't see why they can't do a similar number if the the pre sale is uh, that lively, that popular, and you're also talking about tickets prices that aren't going to be as astronomical as Clash of the Castle, which was obscene. And you're also talking about a city where there's a lot more availability in terms of hotels and travel. Yeah. I mean Cardiff. The hotels seem to book up the same day they announced it. <laughs> so it was very difficult to, to get that as well. So I'm very, I'm very optimistic about it. And yeah, I think I think if you want tickets for this, I think the, the good tickets are going to sell mm. out probably on the day or on the second day. Uh, there'll be plenty of like upper tier, you know, f- far away kind of binoculars tickets. But <laughs> I think on the floor and I think the first, you know, the bottom tier, I think that's going to sell out pretty quickly. Yeah, well, there was another a person. Um, a person got an email from Live Nation, and I haven't seen it debunked necessarily. So I guess mm-hmm. we can take it at face value that the prices are going between thirty and five hundred. Like five hundred for the absolute best seat you can get. That's that's pretty dang competitive, especially because I mean WWE is mm. fully in on the like UFC boxing style. If you're yeah. front row, you're paying absolute premium price, and they get it, so that's why they do it. But um. Yeah, yeah, I, mean, I, I wonder think that's about that. Competitive. I wonder if the front row is going to be a sort of separate, like platinum, to, maybe <laughs> platinum tickets, yeah. something like that. I think five hundred might be the floor or like the close to the front, but not yeah. the actual front row or second row. That's that would be my hunt because five hundred seems very cheap. Seems very to be, cheap, yeah. to be front row at the like their biggest ever event. It's pretty cheap, yeah. but I think overall they won't be that expensive. I think they they've tended to go in fairly cheap, you know, for these. Um, the first time, I mean, if you think back to Arthur Ashe, the first one, they sold that out, but they didn't hit a million in gate. gate. Yeah. And then they went back and with 13,000 and did hit a million. So that tells you that but prices yeah, went exactly. up quite a bit in between the in between the two. So I think they'll go a bit cheaper just because it is more about the visual. It is more about the, the you know, packing the place out. So, yeah, I think it's, I think, I think, I think a huge thing about the, I mean, first of all, the money, money, money good uh, is, is, is a controversial sense that I think they will take on this. Mm. Uh, but at, the optics absolutely are a huge part of this. Being able to, especially the last year or so, you know, booking waning a little bit here or there, 
certain territories not not filling the rafters for dynamite tapings you know mm-hmm. uh pretty flat ratings uh, uh you know so to to come out swinging and say no we're still we're still the the movers and shakers and and we're still a difference maker is is pretty um pretty important to them uh what do you make of it all paul where are you sitting on 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 the 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 uh where's where's the heat meter at for for this uh for this show well i mean Obviously, they they have ties to New Japan, and anytime I've seen a New Japan show in the old Tokyo Dome, it's like there's no one sitting within a kilometer of the ring. Yeah. So maybe Tony Khan can can take a little bit of inspo from that and say, right on the pitch, not a single person. We're all in the stands. Rings out there in the middle of the the center circle. How do you fill the rest of it in? bouncy castles and stuff i don't know <laughs> yeah but um, triple triple cage blood and guts three rings world war three exactly well we're still two weeks to go until the pre-sale so i don't know i mean i think i think they'll do decently well i don't think it'll be uh they'll be hanging off the rafters but no i, I think it'll still be visually enough for them to be tooting the horn you know what i mean i i can picture in my head already the the shots of the the stands full of people and blah, blah, blah. and maybe they'll do a you know have everyone on one side deal for the for the the hard cam and the shots and, and all of that i saw some pictures i was at a SummerSlam a few years ago where mm. they did a, a similar thing oh yeah with the what match was that it was the most recent one it was the, it was the, the first okay. one of the of the triple h era yeah uh, looked phenomenal on TV, but it was literally half the building was was closed off, basically. Yeah. And and you know, I, I think I think it's it's a special enough event. Now, obviously, AW doesn't have the cachet that WWE has, certainly to a casual audience. But like yeah. I've, I've mentioned already, the the idea of wrestling in Wembley, I think, is enough of a novelty that you'll get interest from people who as you know wouldn't go to a dynamite taping in the o2 of course yeah. because of the the novelty of it um and yeah i mean i i'm i'll be happy to be anywhere in that i'll sit at the, the furthest back seat in in the place i don't mind as long as i'm there uh, i do need to discuss actually with the other people i'm going with what our budget is going to look like uh, and all of that but uh i've never been to emily i don't know what the uh the viewing lines are like it's, and all of that. So. It's pretty good. I mean, we went to the women's um, football, the England women's yeah. football match a few months ago or whenever it was last year. And um, we were sat in the, the bottom bowl, whatever you call it, the bottom tier. And they, yeah. they, it's, it was great. I mean, we were kind of probably, I don't know, 20, 15, 20 rows back. Um, but it was it was a really good view. You could see all the women running around kicking the ball and all of that. Yeah, that was I mean that's good. the thing for football though is it's it's nice to have the full pitch view. Yeah. Whereas if you're too close or at one end, you're a little limited. But for wrestling, I wonder what would work better because obviously all the attention is going to be directly at the center of the pitch. So presumably you want to be kind of far, maybe maybe middle far back, but also near the center. Yeah, center definitely. Um, I mean, I f- that's kind of where we were sat- when I went to WrestleMania, we were sat in a similar sort of position. And right. the thing is, you can't see the ring anyway. <laughs> like you're so, it's so f- unless you're in the first five rows, you can't really see the ring. You're looking at the screen mainly to, to figure okay, out what's okay, going okay. on, you know. 
that's the problem with stadium shows. It's a great event, but actually watching the sh- wrestling right. is pointless. I'm, I'm, not going, I'm not going there. <laughs> you might as well <laughs> just, just, just just watch it on on fight the day now. Talking, yeah, but I bring my iPad with me and just watch. Yeah, exactly. Fight TV. That is not a bad idea. But um, yeah, I'm debating because I don't really want to be if it, if there are you know the floor tickets are affordable. I don't want to be sat like. 30 rows back on the pitch because I mm. surely won't see like I'm not going to see anything yeah you won't see anything there'll be a yeah. tall person in front of me and I will not even be able to see the I, I, so I'm like, thinking I want to be in the stands yeah I, I, I'm, I'm taking the, the cinema rule here when I go to the cinema I like to sit two thirds back in the mm. center um so uh, back, not, not at the very back no 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 that's where that's where Ooh. people will be talking about so the naughty kids that's what yeah Two thirds back, because then you're not also if if you're if you're too far back, you're you're almost looking down towards the center of the the screen. I like to I like to be kind of slightly leaning back in my chair. Let's have a fucking cinema anyway. But yeah, I want to be a little bit. So I want to be able to look down at the ring, basically. Okay, and uh, but also yeah, if I can get close enough to the halfway line, that would be perfect. Mm. So but yeah, I'll that's take a- I'll take what I get. That is the revised all-in um, uh, uh, business update, and that foreshadows what we're about to get into here, which is the updates uh, to the CM Punk uh, saga in AEW. Uh, you know, I mean, he's he's learned from the best. He he did a little sabbatical. Business went down. Big gate on the horizon. He's like, I'm ready to come back to work, brother. <laughs> uh, so you, you need me in there, you know. Um, the old uh, the old Hulkster. Anyway, uh, so so the 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 short and sweet of it is that basically the uh, uh, there was a fightful report that uh, basically said he was uh, uh, tentatively scheduled to come back. I'm I'm ex- extremely paraphrasing that that report. Obviously, I'm sure all, all of you listening to this have already read or surmised or talked about it. Anyway, <laughs> so you know what I'm saying. It, it was a very it was a very generalized plans change kind of vibe to the actual substance of the article, but I kind of felt like them coming out and putting it in a headline was a somewhat confident stamp on look this is essentially this is happening as of this writing um, they were also the people who broke the initial story that he was coming back to wrestling at all so mm-hmm. um so the rumor is that so there is a the final dynamite before um uh forbidden door in june is june 21st and that is scheduled for the Wintrust arena in chicago so big chicago mm-hmm. taping so uh, we're thinking, I, I guess, like, you know, maybe we'll do another first, second, whatever the fuck dance type thing it was called, uh, where they just start doing nodding and winking on television, saying he's going to be there. We don't know just yet. Um, following on from that, there is allegedly going to be a meeting fairly soon between Tony Khan, CM Punk. And Chris Jericho, of all people. Tony Khan's like, let's get down to business and, and and let's hash out the beef so that we can get to the program everybody wants to see. And that is one Charles Montgomery Punk versus the Ocho Chris Jericho. Uh, the way Jericho, I mean, people can hate Jericho all they want, but the way that he has wriggled his way into the hottest potential angle of the year is is pretty excellent. Um. Uh, so he's that's allegedly going to happen. He's a genius. He is a genius. You don't have to like him, but he is a genius. He's that's playing, why he's he's playing five D chess. He is playing five D chess. I mean, he is absolutely because it's funny as well. Because I 
apropos of nothing, I was re-listening to a, a segment of the the infamous Cold podcast with with um, uh, Punk that, that started us all on this road that we're on right now, as it were. Mm. And it's funny because he talks about how one of the many times Vince called him back and and begged him to basically, you know, be at a Chicago pay per view and do a house show tour and blah 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 blah. His last one, in fact, it was the one in 2013 leading up to his departure. Vince pitched him on Jericho. And he's like, I've worked Jericho enough. And it's true. He's worked Jericho 10 bajillion times. I've like no interest just because they were mildly catty to each other on some deleted Instagrams. Like I have no interest in that. But anyway, we'll leave that to one side. Um, apparently FTR were, were names mentioned in, in, in this potential presence of this meeting. Uh, there could be others there, but the elite were not mentioned. Worth noting uh, uh, that. Surely they're the only people that matter. It's, it's Punk and the Bucks is where the that seems to be the problem. That seems to be, uh, uh, but there's like, been then uh, all this back and forth reporting on Punk does want to work with the mm-hmm. elite, but do the elite want to work with him? And amidst all these, this reporting of Punk does want to work with the elite, there's also this story going around that the new show that's been talked, that's been whispered about outside of the context of the CM Punk thing for quite a while now is a Saturday night show. And uh, Andrew Zarian, who has been good on television-related news, seems like he has a few mm. TV connections, has said that the show is going to be called Collision. It's going to be a Saturday night, 8 p.m. show, and then it's going to be built around CM Punk, and this is going to basically be it's kind of similar to, to Rampage initially, but even it seems like even more so, this is going to be the show you watch to get CM Punk, and there's talk of an unofficial soft roster split. Which kind of throws a wrench in the idea that Punk and the Elite are going to be working together if they're going to be <laughs> drawing a line down the roster uh, and saying that you know these guys are on this show and these this guys on this show. So, what do we make of all of that in the last just in the last week since we last spoke about CM Punk? Um, where to start? I mean, I think I mean he's coming back. I think yes. we can, that we've been debating that over the weeks. Well, is it is he actually is he it's it's happening. I think it yeah. is happening, regardless of, of what anyone says. He's going to be back in the next two months. Like That's just for sure, or as certain as it can be. Um, as for, like, it's so confusing, the, the whole kind of meeting, the whole kind of re- rebuilding the bridges between him and the elite. I don't know why it's so difficult. I mean, obviously, if they don't want to work mm. with Punk, if they don't want to have any part of that, you can't force them to, but it would seem that that's just so crucial that you just get these people together and say, right, punk, you're going to have to eat some, eat a little bit of shit. You have to say, okay, maybe, you know, I regret what happened, whatever. Just yeah. apologize, be a, be a grown up and apologize. And then if the elite are happy to work with him, then you move forward. We don't, obviously we don't know like all the other things that have happened it, other than brawl out. There could have been a million things happening yeah. backstage that led to, you know, the Brandon Cutler accusing him of gaslighting the whole promotion, <laughs> um, which is pretty rich coming from someone who only has a job because of his friends, you know, <laughs> accusing someone else of playing politics. Um, but yeah, but we, we, we don't really know like all of these ins and outs. Um, I would think for me, if he comes back, it has to be that he can work with everyone. They can't be yeah. a grand split. That's just fucking ridiculous. And I don't even know if that's a real idea or if that's just something that's being floated to kind of there's a bit of a red herring you know what i mean because i just find that ridiculous uh for them to do that they've already split off ring of honor like are they gonna have a third brand i i think it's strange yeah i i i really i mean i suppose it's not 
the main thrust of the story, but I, I have no interest in that. And like hmm. adding another two hour show and like saying, okay, we're bringing this top star back that you all want back, but you have to watch the second show to get him. I'm like, I don't want that. And I feel like that, I don't think that makes that. I don't think that instantly gives you a second A show. I think that dilutes dynamite to me. I, 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 I'm very tired of living in this cynical age where volume of content is like the thing that everyone's prioritizing. Do you know what I mean? I know. There's, there's a reason I stopped watching Raw and SmackDown. Well, partly because yeah. it was shit, but also because yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's five hours a week that I didn't want to of my life that I didn't want to commit to watching that. And I'm very happy watching Dynamite every week. It's you know hour and forty five minutes once I forward through the ads and. It's, it's perfect. You know, I watch it on Thursday morning or Thursday night. It's it's great. Um, I don't want to watch another. I, and Rampage, I put on. I maybe pay attention. I maybe not pay attention. Maybe not. Fine. Yeah. You know, not always. Um, a second two-hour show that I, I watch. Uh, at that point, I'm kind of waiting to see if it was any good or not. And then I'll watch it if it was good. Yeah. I'm not watching it every week, even if CM Punk is on it, because it's just too much. That is that is the part because when this was first rumored, it was kind of as like a, I was assuming like a one hour studio kind of show, like it was going to be yeah same, some kind yeah. of magazine-y style, maybe a couple of matches, whatever. Like, and that's fine. I probably wouldn't watch that every week, but I you know give it a shot. I don't want to watch four hours of first run AEW every week. It's just yeah. too much for me. Um, so that's a whole other thing. And then and then the FTR stuff is is very very funny because that that bald man just won't stop talking. <laughs> um, I did listen to one episode of his podcast this week, just out of curiosity. And he, this was the one where they kind of announced, or he announced that they would they had resigned and t- talked through the reasons. And that was kind of interesting. Um, he talked a little bit about sort of wanting to spend more time with his family, and that's why they wanted to stay because of the schedule. Yeah. Uh, then he started talking about how he likes his coffee with uh, the oat milk on the side instead of in the coffee because they put too much in. And at that point, I kind of uh, lost interest, if, if I'm honest. <laughs> <laughs> well, it so. sounds great. I mean, it sounds fantastic. It does. Yeah. So, um, what a what a what a crazy month. This it's been new, very newsworthy. Uh, we'll see. We'll see where it goes. Yeah. I feel like the the meeting that they have, the first thing has to be. Lads, any side eye tweets or passive aggressive tweets, five thousand dollar fine. Off yeah. the bat, looking at you, Brandon Cutler. That's your year's salary, right? <laughs> you're out. <laughs> um, He's gonna owe them money after that. <laughs> like you're totally right, Joe. For him of all people to be coming out, going, oh, this guy, like, I know. Who are you? Who are you to Bra- say anything? Brandon, the barber beefcake. Oh, worse, worse. Not even, not even, <laughs> not even. Um, yeah, I, I have to imagine there's there there has to be some. Well, so this is this is my other thought about the brand split as well. Is that the brand split to me doesn't exactly scream. Tony Khan got all these boys in the room and he put his foot down. And he said, "You fucking listen to me here. You're all eating shit. You're all apologizing. You're all shaking hands. You're all gonna keep your fucking grievances to yourselves or come to me about it. And we're gonna fucking make a bajillion dollars together. Doing a roster split and putting one of them on one show and one of them on another show. It doesn't sound to me like he put his fucking foot down and told them this is what we're doing. It sounds to me like he told them a little bit of what we're doing, but then uh, rolled over when when they were like, mm, I don't know about that. Mm, I don't know about this. Now, look, I maybe the red herring thing is is that's, that could quite possibly be a real thing. Maybe maybe it's going to turn out 
that there's actually no roster split and that was a little bit of bullshit smokescreen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're speculating. Yeah, and they, look, they could be doing that match at Wembley. They could be doing a six-man. They could be doing a single. They absolutely could be doing that, but I think there tends to be no smoke without fire on, on, the, on the roster split is my, my uh, feeling. I mean, at the same time, I don't think they're adding an extra show for it to be the CM Punk house, you know? Yeah. I mean, they have a lot of unused talent. That is also... Yeah. Uh, someone someone did did say that to me on Twitter, and I was like, eh, "Yeah, but like Dynamite has like Matt Hardy every week, so it's not like like the unused ha- talent problem is instantly going to get better with a second roster because it's at the end of the day, it's TK's own sensibilities. Do you know what I mean? I don't think that's instantly going to become the work rate show. Um, but uh, it is a Rampage killer, though. Yeah, I mean, what, how the fuck do you justify watching Rampage? I mean, I mean, you have your two prime time, two hour live shows. And then the hour of tat that airs at what eleven in the US yeah. after SmackDown. I mean, if Rampage just becomes like the the Tyre Valkyrie show, <laughs> the, I was gonna say like the WWE main event type show where it's literally just yeah proper matches. And then if if T, um, TNT are happy with that, if they're getting a point one every week and they're like, well, that's better than you know what we would be getting, and it costs nothing because we're taping it. After yeah. then it's does it really matter? And we don't have to watch it right. at the end of the day. We can say, well, fuck it. Ram, you know, do they just move dark to the rampage slot? Oh yeah, they're still doing dark and every like what? Yeah, I don't know why they're still persevering with that. Why not just do that as as well? Anyway, um, the other thing, yeah. the funny thing is, there was a very clear parallel this week in football. I'm sure you saw this story, Paul. Uh, mm-hmm. Sadio Mane, who plays for Bayern Munich. Um, who lost 3-0 to Manchester City on, uh, I think it was on Wednesday, uh, no, on Tuesday. Um, after the match, he got into a bit of a bit of an argument with his teammate, uh, Leroy Sane, who used to play for Manchester City. And it, it, it transpires that Mane gave him a bit of a bit of a slap, a bit of a dig. Oh, shit. Um, and from the pictures that came out, it wasn't just a slap. It, he, gave, he had a big old bruised, busted open lip, um, you know, in training later in the week. And what did they do? He he was um, suspended for one game and given a fine, and that's it. They've moved on. Oh wow! <laughs> so it's very so it's very very similar to well, apart from he didn't do a press conference burying the team and burying the owner of the team and eating muffins or whatever. <laughs> but you know, there was a, a a physical altercation and assault between the two colleagues, and they quickly acted decisively and said right. This is what's happening. You're being punished. Then we're moving on. I mean, obviously there'll still be bad blood. I don't imagine it's all, you know, jelly and ice cream between oh, those yeah, two. Yeah, well, but, these things never go away, you know. But they actually decisively, and I think it's just a lesson. If if Tony Khan had acted last September um, and actually said, right, punks suspended, blah blah blah, something's happening. Then it could have been, it could have been dealt with then. But um, you know, it's wrestling, so. Yeah. That's actually something that we said on this show a few weeks ago, uh, and I saw Dave Meltzer said it this week, copying our homework as always, Dave, just terrible. But it's the, it's the, we, we talked about how the punk thing where he came out and called out Adam Page when Page obviously could mm-hmm. not run out and do anything. That was, that was 10 times the receipt of the original offense. And I, this is, this is something Meltzer said as well. Is at that stage, Khan should have intervened and said, right, you have to go home for like two weeks and chill the fuck out for a yeah. while and relax yeah. and i'll talk to adam page and say okay you shouldn't have done that first thing adam that's bad but he was a bolder boy than you so he's going home and everyone's relaxing and we probably wouldn't then have had what actually happened um happened uh but um 
Yeah. I th- but I think a problem as well is the is the carny wrestler mindset. Mm. Um, as opposed to a, a top level elite professional footballer, is in Punk's case, you know, Hangman has has done him there live on TV. Mm. It's not go to the manager and and sort it out. It's I got to give him a receipt in the ring. You know, yeah. It's it's that old mindset that is is not really appropriate for what wrestling has developed into. Yeah. Um. Because then, then it's tit for tat. It's it's it's. It's more like, like the Roy Keane mindset of um, attacking very Alf, much so. Alf yeah. the Harland. Oh, I'll give him a. I give him one. <laughs> Except on yeah. your own teammate. That seems to be the, the problem there. Yeah. Yeah. Not a good idea. Yeah, I mean, I think. Look, at the end of the day, if the elite are saying, "Oh, we don't know about that, brother," that doesn't work for me. I think Tony has to put the foot down and say, "Lads, you, you're going to do what I tell you you're going to do." Which are is your fake little EVP titles, right? <laughs> yeah, which is another unresolved thing from all this. What the fuck does any of that mean? That's still Love completely it. unclear. I assume I assume it's tokenistic and means they get certain employee benefits that the other wrestlers don't. That, that's yeah, yeah, and 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 possibly a cut of certain gates. But anyway, yeah. But like, I mean, Tony has to put the foot down here and say this: this is how it is. We're all working together. No one on the roster is exempt from. I don't want to work with person X. Um, because then it's then it's high school and it's impossible to control. Then it is what CM Punk said it is at the end of the day. But um, yeah, I mean, look, we're going in that direction, and God forbid wrestlers be uh, mature about anything. No, 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 no. Um, I mean, I love when people are always outraged when wrestlers act crazy and irrationally, and it's like, look at their job, look what they do for a job. They're all mad. Yeah. It's like None the of worst. Them are normal. They're not normal people. It's like the worst of show business of like actors and the yeah, worst yeah. of sports as well combined. Yeah, it's for like, sure. Ugh. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, good laugh though, isn't it? So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, I think I think the the, the FTR stuff. I, I think there's a little, little overreaction there. To pe- pe- people are suddenly hanging, especially the bald one totally hanging them out to dry. And it's like, well, I mean, I, I, I agree and I, I disagree. After after all they've done for us in the last year, three of the, the, the best matches mm. I've seen in a very long time and and all of that. And then but then but then on the other hand he's doing stuff like doing doing little doing little tweet with oh little WWE logo in the corner. Like what yeah. why why are you doing that for? Only to cause drama. You know, that's the annoying part. But I think people are a little over the top with their condemnation of him in that regard. Yeah, I, yeah, I saw some weird shit. Like, like he's extremely annoying. Don't get me wrong, but in classic mm. Twitter specifically fashion, people have to get a little bit over the top on it. Um, uh, you know, I mean, that's the other thing is is he's under contract, and and maybe you know, as the contract is running out, Tony maybe didn't feel in his power to be like, don't be doing that. But I mean, that whole their contracts were running out. Where are they going to go? They did a match with the Gun Club where their careers are online. Like that thing was such a total bomb in every regard. And it yeah. only caused annoyance for people. And again, since the very beginning, AEW is a company that really needs to thrive on goodwill and not yeah. be not be working the fans for, for no, nothing, for no payoff, only to get, <laughs> cause people to be annoyed at you and give you grief online. But anyway, hopefully it all works out and they're all happy and everyone is, everyone's good. So yeah, that's, uh, that is where we're at. I'm sure probably this time next week, there'll be more fucking, there'll be more. 
so more we'll, drama. Uh, we'll report back. Um, yeah, so I think that's any obviously just you know collision. We will we will see. We will see what what's to come with that. Um, anything else? I haven't. Had I, I like to... the name. I like the name of collision. Collision's not bad. Fairly Dy- inoffensive. Dynamite news. rampage collision. Mm. Yeah, I mean they 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 fit right. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. So that's uh that's the your weekly CM Punk drama update. Uh, what else we got going on in in the news this week? Just some footy. I thought it was a noteworthy week in the world of the Premier League and the Champions League. Uh, as Joe mentioned, start with the Champions League, the, the the big tournament we had, the big city Bayern Munich game, and I thought, right, this is potentially where we're gonna. This is almost like the final. This is potentially where we're actually going to decide who's going to win. Uh, although the winner will have to then play Real Madrid, it's looking like in the semi final, but. It's looking like whoever gets through that has a kind of a free run at the final. They're going to face one of Inter, AC, Napoli, and Benfica, which I fancy the both teams would be all those. Mm. Uh, but rather than getting a tight, cagey affair, which I kind of anticipated, uh, Bayern were just completely outmatched by uh, by City. Absolutely steamrolled them. And, uh, and then Real Madrid did the same to Chelsea the following night, uh, which was less surprising because Chelsea are absolutely awful. <laughs> Right now, which I do want to talk about, but uh, what what that made me aware of, Joe, is, is is could we have? And I want to get your prediction on this. Could we have, for the first time in almost twenty five years, a proper English team do the treble, um, or, or an English team do the proper treble? Because I know Liverpool yeah. did did win three trophies in one season, but I'm talking about. English League, FA Cup, Champions League. That's what I'm talking about. So City are in the semi-finals of the FA Cup. Mm-hmm. They're in the quarterfinals of the Champions League, and they're towards the top of the Premier League. Do you think they can do it? I'm starting or to do believe. you think they will do it? I'm starting to believe. Well, they can do it. Oof. I'm starting to oh, believe they will. They, can, they certainly can do it. But then I thought Liverpool did, would do the quadruple last season. I was convinced that that would happen. <laughs> and of course, <laughs> right. it's a lot harder to pull up. Because the thing is, and I think Ferguson probably said this at the time, like you do need a lot of, to, to do that. You need a lot of luck. Because it's yeah. not just, you can't just be good. You've got to be lucky as well. Because it could easily go wrong. You know, Sheffield United could be a banana skin <laughs> in the semi-final. You know, just they get lucky. Nick a one nil or something, or the final goes wrong. Well, Maybe. they got knocked out by Southampton in the semi-finals of the Carabao. Exactly, so it is possible. Same, you know, Real Madrid are not to be sniffed at. They could easily, if they beat an English teams like in the last seven knockout ties or something like that. Yeah, they could pull a little surprise, and you never know. Arsenal could beat City at, at um, whatever their stadium is called, the Etihad. The Etihad, the old Emirates. Um, I'll I'll go on record and say that if City beat Real Madrid, they will win the treble. Because mm-hmm. I I think I think for the league and FA Cup, I think they're probably going to win the two of those. Uh, and this leads us on to Arsenal's form lately. Mm-hmm. Uh, earlier in the season, we saw them uh, drop leads in games, specifically against uh, Villa. Mm. Bournemouth and what they would do is they would come back and get a last minute little goal I remember specifically the Reese Nelson uh, goal against um, yep. against Bournemouth Martinelli I think I think they, they ended up beating um, Villa 4-2 in the end but I know it was a last minute goal as well uh, but then lately the Liverpool game and the West Ham game not only 
games that they went 2-0 up and then were pegged back to two all draws. But both games where the other team looked like they were the ones that were going to go on and win it. Mm-hmm. So I watched I watched the last half an hour of the Arsenal-West Ham game today. And <laughs> for a team looking to win the Premier League, when that second West Ham goal went in, Arsenal, I don't even remember them having a shot on goal after that. That was like the last half hour mm-hmm. of the game. It was all West Ham. Antonio hitting the post with 10 to go as well. Mm. So, you know, when you get to the stage of the season, this is when you start hearing mark of champions, teams who are able to scrape out a 1-0 win or... Championship hours. Find yourself in in a situation where you've been clawed back and you go on and win anyway. Um, And Arsenal... you know, I, don't get me wrong. I, I would love Arsenal to win the league because, as, as I've said, I think they're they're a model for teams like United to follow. You know, stick with the manager, trust the process, work on it, build on it, and you can get there. So, you know, I think for what Arteta has done there is really, really exceptional. Um, but it looks like they're starting to show their inexperience. You know, this is where a team like City, who've been to the top of the mountain, are able to just power across the finish line while Arsenal are going 2-0 up in games against West Ham who've been abysmal this season give them a penalty miss a penalty themselves you know it, it's 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 um, it's like scripted it's like scripted that they're not to win the league you know yeah uh, it's very unfortunate for them but I think the way it is now so with Man City are currently four points behind with a game in hand. So assuming that they would win that, they would be one point behind Arsenal. Mm-hmm. And obviously the big the big game in, is it a week and a half, two weeks? Yeah. Uh, at the Etihad, Man City, Arsenal. I mean, I think that's pretty much whoever whoever wins that, and I'm, I'm going to say it's going to be Man City, is probably going to go out and win the title. Oh, I can't wait for that game. Oh, um, can't wait. No, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be shitting there with my big bag of popcorn. I'll have to get a couple of non-alcoholic beers in just to uh, enjoy that one. Maybe some popcorn. Speaking of popcorn, I have a popcorn guff. Once with a oh, go go hide. Yeah, but I enjoyed United. Get you watch the United game? I, I of course. Well. Oh, I I thought, my, uh, considering the amount of injuries we've got, I actually thought it was a very good performance. I think Bruno and Eriksson together again. Very yes, very tidy, very, very nice. I think Martial is he's a very good player. When he when he plays the four games he plays a <laughs> season not injured. are yeah. brilliant. You know, it's just yeah, it's, it's a real shame. But he's such a good kind of the way he connects people. You know, I think he makes Anthony better. I think he makes Sancho better. Yeah, I just yeah. Sure well, I mean, play. the big the big United news was from Thursday, where we we pulled an Arsenal ourselves and wow. dropped a two nil a two nil back to a two all uh, with our both of our centre defenders injured basically for the rest of the season. I, I think Varane probably, probably will be back before then. But mm. at, a, at a critical time, we, we lose their defense, but we lose our defense right as our midfield come back. So we just had Casemiro out for four games, Ericsson out for a few months. Yeah, And at least in the new in the Nottingham Forest game today, I feel like if the midfield has a little bit better hang of controlling the game, that might compensate mm. a little bit for the, the first choice defense being out. Like today we played one of our first choice back four, which would be Wabasaka with Shaw, Martinez and Varane out. Mm. And obviously, you know, the injury list currently is like, we've got like seven or eight players who you could argue would be in and around the first team are, are injured. So you have Shaw, Varane, Martinez, Garnacho, mm-hmm. Rashford, 
Sabitzer who came off <laughs> right before the game and was replaced by Ericsson, which turned out yep. to be a good move. Um, and so, you know, yeah, I, I would be looking actually towards the Sevilla game, although I think, frankly, on, on, on the balance of the game, on Thursday, I think we we'll probably beat Sevilla, regardless of, of the That's injuries. what I was going to say. I don't want to make excuses, but I do think they were very, very, very lucky. The two, two own goals. goals were, two were, own goals, yeah. They were very lucky to to get back in that game, because they were shit, to be honest. With you. They were shit, and I, I think we'll go, play like we play against Nottingham Forest, we'll beat them. 4-0, that's my prediction. I, I'll be lo- I'm, I'm a little bit more anxious about the Brighton game. Yeah, Brighton are actually good. Brighton are very um, good. Big big Evan up front as well. Big old Evan Ferguson. Uh, the, the future of, of football. <laughs> Evan Ferguson. Um, who actually doesn't score very often, but he's he's quite good. Um, and I want to give a special shout out as well to the, uh, the best team in the Premier League, Unai Emery's Aston Villa. Yeah. Uh, what a job he's been doing. Really uh, they've scored every game since he joined. And they're like in seventh now, three points behind Spurs. Remember where they were with Stephen Jarrett in charge? Relegation battle. Relegation battle. Now they're now they're looking at like, hmm, the top four is looking mighty uh, tasty up there. There's levels to it. And, and the good news from United as well is we've now moved three points clear in Newcastle, same amount of games played, and six points clear of Spurs with the game in hand. And who's playing next weekend, Joe? Spurs Newcastle, Newcastle against Tottenham. So one or both are going to drop points while we're off faffing about in the FA Cup. But they, ideally, let's say Newcastle beats Spurs, six yeah. points ahead, two games in hand. That's a nice little a lovely nice cushion. cushion to have. Lovely little cushion. And then I, and I, th- I think Brighton or Villa could very easily finish above Spurs, especially... Um, you know, Spurs, uh, after they were beaten in the last minute by Bournemouth themselves, I saw a good tweet, which was the mm. the Conte words. They don't like playing under pressure. They don't like playing under stress. Ooh. And that's kind of how you beat Spurs, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, that, and, and Bournemouth showed that the weekend. So it was a very fun couple of days in, in the football world. Um, obviously, coming from a United point of view, it was. But I think in terms of the mechanics of the table, it was very interesting. I mean, Dean Smith coming into Leicester. Mm. Is that an upgrade from from Brendan Rodgers? I'm uh, not sure. Yeah, I don't think the manager's the problem really. Was there? Was it? I, I think it was the score. No, they, they. I know. I know they were playing Manchester City as well. Don't get me wrong, but they were they were completely limp, and, and they got a goal back. But like City, had, were three 0 up. Just stop playing. They yeah. said, "All right, enough. We're going to save our energy." But yeah, looks like Leicester are going to go. Uh, Forest, I think, are going to go. Southampton, I think that's probably the three for mm-hmm. me. But we'll see. Anyway, moving on. Do we have a, a quiz? Just before that, I have to I have to review oh. my popcorn because talk about your popcorn. Oh yes, I go on. The, my, uh, my local convenience store is is absolutely fantastic in that they have so much random shit in there. It's not like it's a Tesco local or Sainsbury's Express or whatever. They have like every fizzy drink you can imagine. They've got like Dr Pepper vanilla. They've got Fanta Whoa. mystery flavor. They've got like all kinds of like random drinks and stuff. They've got all the mad crisps. They have in there this, we, we went there yesterday. They had Subway flavored chips from somewhere in Europe, right? Subway as in the sandwich people. Subway as in the sandwich people. Now I have no idea what the actual, I, I didn't buy any this time. I am going to get some, but Subway flavored crisps. I mean, I, the mind boggles. Pizza Hut flavored crisps. I think oh, that caught God. my attention as well. Peanut flavored Cheetos. Just get peanuts. 
I can't, I can't even begin to. But anyway, they have so much cool stuff. And I picked up a little bag of uh, M&M popcorn, which according to the back is from Canada. I don't know how, why they're importing this all the way from Canada, but I'm very grateful for it. And it's a bag of popcorn with little clumps of chocolate and mini M&Ms mixed okay. in with the popcorn. And I have to say, it was absolutely sterling. It sounds it was, phenomenal. It was, oh God, it's everything I, I kind of dreamed of. I know they do do that at some cinemas where they mix in like the sweets and like M&Ms or Rolos or whatever. Yeah. This was this was, this was was fantastic. They do also have a Twix version. I might get that next week because that looks really, really good. But yeah, uh, 10 out of 10 on the old Canadian popcorn. Um, I, they're, they're doing it properly over there in the Great White North. Um, yes, yeah, so that's popcorn guff. Yeah, no, that sounds that so, sounds great. Yes, that was was fantastic. Um, so yes, I do have a little returning feature. Uh, is the return? It's been a while. I can't remember the last one we did. It's been a while, but the return of Bop It, Pull It, Twist It, Bracket, <laughs> which is our kind of tournament um, feature, where we take a particular subject and we get a whole bunch of things within that subject and they face off in a tournament to, to crown the winner. Um, I know Paul and I did one on Christopher Nolan films when Barry was away once. Yeah. Um, right. Trying to think what else we did. We did movies. Um, we Simpsons. Did Simpsons. Oh, Simpsons episodes. Yeah. I think that was the original one. Anyway, this is a wrestling themed one Okay. and it was inspired by me listening to an episode of the lapsed fan uh, this weekend, uh, which was all about war games. And someone emailed in to ask them what they thought the greatest gimmick match was of all Ooh. time. And I was thinking about it and I was like, I don't really know. I like there's some gimmicks I like, there's some I don't like. What you know, what, what stipulation? Yeah. There's only one way to decide. I need to get the boys involved. We need to turn this <laughs> into a tournament. So I have a list of 32 different wrestling stipulation matches, gimmick matches. Okay. Um, some of them are kind of grouped together. So like if they cage matches are kind of right. So different types of matches are kind of grouped together, but yeah, 32 different matches. We're going to go through the first round today and get down to 16 matches, which we will then continue to uh, progress over the weeks until we crown the official chair shop podcast, uh, greatest gimmick match of all time. Okay. So are you boys ready for the Absolutely. round? Of, the round of 32. Okay. Yep. Okay. First match. The Elimination Chamber mm. versus the First Blood match. See, it's very interesting because I think there's a few angles you can come from with mm. this. Is the actual the quality of the matches that have already taken place yep. within that gimmick? The the idea behind it, the the concept itself, and the yep. strength of the concept. Mm the potential for what you can do with that. So there's a lot of angles you can come from. I guess we kind of have to balance those out a little bit. I think a little bit of, of, of both. So we can talk about the great matches, but again, yeah. like when we talked about Iron Man matches a few weeks ago, we were kind of talking about how there haven't been that many that are actually that good, even though the concept maybe yes. seems great, but yeah. Yeah. I feel like with Elimination Chamber, the the, the I, I quite like the concept, and I think the potential is there. I think they fall into the trap of doing the same four spots in every single one. Yeah. They go through the plexiglass, the unbreakable plexiglass. They have the little bump off the pod, superplex off the pod or whatever. Uh, someone does a Spider-Man climbing onto the, the yeah. side. 
I mean, honestly, I've I've seen at this stage maybe 10, 11, 12 chamber matches. I obviously haven't mm-hmm. seen a lot of the recent ones. I've seen clips of them. But I could only honestly tell you memorable moments from maybe three of them. Mm. Obviously the first one, 2002 Survivor Series. 2003 Survivor, or 2003 SummerSlam for all the wrong reasons. And New Year's Revolution 2004. I want to say ooh, five. Yeah, six. The, the six the, it would have been the edge cash. Yeah, yeah. And, and the match was 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 completely useless to be fair that year. But I mean, so that really doesn't even count. So I think I think if we were doing a bracket for maybe the most overrated <laughs> match gimmicks, Ooh, I might go okay. I might go elimination chamber. I've always liked the the idea of of a first blood match. Um, I'll say I haven't seen many good ones to be fair. That's the um, thing for me that's tripping me up here. I think your criticisms of the of the um, uh, chamber are perfectly fair, but it's a tough owl sell on the actual quality of a first blood match. You know, I, I can barely even think of any. Is the problem with first blood matches? Like some uh, attitude era ones are like you know okay for what they are. Taker and Austin. Um, I can think of more bad ones than good ones. Matt Morgan and Hernandez, mm. obviously. Um, yeah, I'm thinking Jericho Shamrock. Oh, Austin yeah. Taker we mentioned. Um Yeah, I like I do I really like the idea of a first blood match, but I think the other problem is obviously if you're gonna if you're in a promotion that does blood, you tend to do it quite in you know, I mean most hardcore matches. So a first blood match doesn't stand out as much. Even though I really like the idea of you've got to make the other man bleed. Like you've got to beat him until he's bleeding. Like that is quite a cool concept, but I don't know that it's been executed that well. No. Um okay. So what what are we voting? Who, who wants to go first? I think you go first, Paul. I, I'm going to go first blood. I, I, I think in terms of disappointments, I think they're more or less equal for me. Now, now to be fair, I love the, the first Elimination Chamber, the 2002 Survivor Series one, which with Sean winning. I, I think that match is, is legitimately great. But I think it, it, it's it's got a bit of, for me, the stink of nothingness to it where it's become what should be a big spectacle it's just become like procedural mm. to the point that i like i don't like it anymore and i understand why they'd like they've put the padding down on the outside because i understand you have to oh yeah all that you have to pre- it well you have to protect the wrestlers to be fair yeah, like i don't yeah. want that the wrestlers are fucking killing themselves but yeah. it, it it does kill a lot of the realness the feel of realness of it the clanging of the the chains and all that I just like the simplicity of a first blood, uh, especially as it pertains to like why, how you can insert that into a feud and and do stuff with that. Um, and I wish that they did more, to be honest, because I think I feel like nowadays they could, like an AEW could do a real fun like twist on it, because you know you don't see often that story being told, the psychology of the match where they're they're trying specifically not to pin their opponent, mm. not to beat their opponent, but to make them bleed. I think that'd be interesting. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go first blood. Barry, I'm gonna to have to go elimination chamber. I just, I, I think all the criticisms are totally justified. Oh. But there's a bunch of very good chambers. There's not a bunch of very good first blood matches. I can, I can, I can humor a little bit this idea of the hypothetically good one and the cool ideas you could do. But the, the matches that, that exist are are what they are. You know, so I'd have to go. I'd have to go that way. I'm, 
even though I'm not a massive fan of this match, I'm going to have to go for Elimination Chamber as well. Because I think it, it, I do like the way they kind of, it almost took war games and kind of merged it into something slightly different with the people More entering modern. every couple of minutes, you know, kind of thing. That does give it that kind of freshness of, oh, someone new's coming in. It's random. You don't know who's next. Kind of like the Royal Rumble mixed with. Yeah, and the fact that it's elimination means that it's it doesn't have the the thing of it doesn't begin till everybody's in. Yeah, you can have eliminations at any point. Yeah, so I'm going to go with the elimination chamber match. Um, not my favorite, but in that case, I I would go for it. Yeah, I don't know how far that's going to go in this tournament. That's the thing. Could could be. Um, next match: barbed wire explosion or slash explosive matches. So anything you want to okay, put okay. in that kind of so. Anything that involves the ropes being wrapped in barbed wire or explosives versus the buried alive match. <laughs> I mean, oh. this is an easy one for me, I gotta say. Yeah. Go on. Um as as fun as uh, Jungle Boy and, and Christian Cage was recently, and it bordered on comedy at points. Mm. Uh buried live matches are always awful <laughs> and always terrible. Um they always include the Undertaker for some reason and Kane most of the time. <laughs> um, so, so let me go through the buried live matches that have happened. So, you, obviously, Undertaker Mankind was the first one. Undertaker Austin, Undertaker Vince, Undertaker Kane. Mm-hmm. Am I forgetting one from WWE? Oh, and the tag match, the SmackDown the tag, tag team match. Yeah. Which, which that was fun, but that wasn't fun. That was almost fun in spite of it being that kind of match. Um, I, I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of of buried life as, as wacky, and I don't mind the wacky, a wacky gimmick. But I feel like the fact that the the things up on the ramp and they start in the ring and they have to inorganically fight up the ramp and digging with the shovel and blah 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 blah. blah. Um. So I'm not crazy about that. Um, I'm trying to remember now what the other match type was because I've talked so much about buried live. The, uh, the bar- explosion, barbed wire. wire. Explosion, yeah. I've seen my share of good barbed wire matches and good exploding ring matches. Um, I think back to the classic JBL versus John Cena cage with a bit of wire on top of it. Okay. I don't know if, do you guys remember that match? Yes. Vaguely, Razor yeah. wire cage match where there was a tiny bit. Okay, that match is rubbish fair. But I think back to like TNA's early barbed wire massacres were a lot of fun. Um, Sabu and Abyss had, had quite a good fun one. That was on the same show as the, the AJ Styles Samoa Joe match. So I got a lot of good nostalgia for that. The Kenny Omega Moxie match, I thought was a lot of fun until the post-match. Yeah. But I thought the match itself was quite good. Um, Yeah, I love it. I love a bit of barbed wire. I'm going to go for that. Hmm. I think I I think I tend to agree with you. The buried alive match is like a shit version of the casket match, which we'll get to later. As in, it's it's harder to do spots with it because you can't really like half bury someone and then they fight. It's quite awkward. Uh, so I would go with the barbed wire explosion match, even though they can re- they can backfire or, or not backfire, as the case may be, uh, with with Omega and Moxley. But yeah, I think they're more visually kind of interesting and. And, and gritty as well. Barry? Yeah, I, I'm going to go for the, the barbed wire explosion, death, shovel up your arse, fucking fireworks, shotgun match. 
Okay. Uh, next match, Hell in a Cell versus the cinematic match. By, <laughs> by, by cinematic, I'm including older stuff like the Boiler Room Brawl, anything that kind of takes right, place in, yeah, a, yeah. in a location, like a, the compound. Oh, or well, that. That, that, I think that changes it significantly then. Well, yeah. Yeah. It, it, yeah it, it, more broader than I, the ones we saw during the pandemic. I'm not just talking about those. <laughs> sort of an on-location match is where I'm describing okay. it. Okay. That still that still makes it relatively easy. The thing, uh, so a lot of what Paul said about the Elimination Chamber, you could absolutely apply to the Hell in a Cell. More so, I feel like. Some, yeah, actually, yeah, probably even more so. So many iconic moments, a great idea for for a match, a simple idea for a match, fantastically executed in a lot of cases, some truly iconic moments. It's grisly and gross and raw and violent and all this other stuff. But it, it is it is descended into such parody now mm. that it barely resembles what it originally was, and it barely resembles anything good. Um, you know, pff, matches on location. I mean, again, those are ex- so extremely hit and miss. I like. I think I like most of the boiler room brawls. I like the second one with Big Show quite a lot. Mm. Um. um you know, uh, Anarchy in the Arena was fantastic. Um, what was the other one before that? Stadium Stampede. Uh, I I count. Hmm. I would Anarchy count Stadium Stampede, not Anarchy. Yeah, that's yeah Anarchy, sorry. Anarchy in the Arena is basically just an ODT. That's match, a, to be fair. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Stadium yeah, Stampede, yes. Yeah, Stadium Stampede so. was good. I mean, I hated basically all of the WWE stuff. I fucking hate Money in the Bank. Money in the Bank. One oh, of the one God. of the worst yeah. matches of all time, categorically. I, I've only gotten more confident with that as time the, has gone yeah, on. Yeah, the yeah, Firefly yeah. Funhouse. Yeah, wheel yeah, of yeah. all fun that match. stuff. Awful. The Swamp Match was it with with um, yeah, with Braun, Braun, yeah. Braun, yeah, yeah, dreadful. I mean, when I was when I was a kid, I always had a soft spot for when Al Snow and Bob Holly would be fighting in bushes outside the arena, in 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 the river. Mm. and stuff like that I, I always love all that stuff whenever they wrestlers would fight anywhere outside of the ring or yeah. ringside yeah i always loved all that and uh, I, lo- I i have a soft spot for all the all the the deletions the, the matt hardy ones mm-hmm. um as you mentioned not, not so much the swamp stuff but like the the final deletion and all that and it looks like we're going to get another one shortly um yeah, and Hell in a Cell to me is just, you know, as, as great as some of the best Hell in Cells. Actually, now now I'm convincing myself the opposite. <laughs> now now I'm thinking the cream of the crop of the Hell in a Cell is so good that can I forgive its, its badness, its modern badness? Because, you know, they, they, when the match was originally created, there were, there were certain ways that WWE worked that they don't anymore. Stuff like we saw in the Balor Edge one where they had to stop mm. it because the demon was bleeding. Yeah. That stuff was so annoying. But like, God, I think back to, I think back to Sean Undertaker, the first Undertaker Brock, No Mercy 2002. Um, oh, God. No, you know what? I'm going to go for the, I'm going to go for the cinematic the cinematic uh, street fight, uh, literal fighting in the street, all that shit. Yeah, love it. Okay. Um, but it's very close. I, I'm, I'm also going to go for it on location. Cause I, I just, I'm just thinking of the, wow. the recent Hell in a Cells. And I can only, I'm thinking back to, yeah, you've got the classic 
you know, Mick Foley ones, which I was thinking about that the other day, actually, that's kind of for, forgotten him, him literally being thrown off the top of a hell in a cell. <laughs> seems to have just, I don't know, maybe it's, it was too violent for kind of WWE these days, but yeah, that one, the Shawn Michaels one, uh, Batista Undertaker, um, even like remember the Shane McMahon Undertaker one at WrestleMania. Oh, you were there, Barry, weren't you? That was that was thirty two. Yes. And Shane getting thrown off the top of that cage and nearly landing on Steve Merchant. Um, that there haven't been that many good ones, and essentially it becomes like a, a kind of boring cage match. But even without the escape the cage kind of thing, um, so that's why I think there's there's just more juice and more kind of fun to be had with the on location, although it can vary quite a lot in quality. Is what I'll say, but that's that's going to be my choice. So there's a cinematic winner then. That's that's two nil, Barry. What, okay. would, what would you have gone for? I, I would have got Hell in a Cell, but I've okay. been I've been outvoted. Fair enough, fair enough. Okay, next match up: uh, the dog collar match versus mm. Fool's Count Anywhere match. Hmm. So. Two, two kind of stable. You don't see that many dog collars matches. We've seen some good ones in AEW in recent years. Yeah. Um, Falls Count Anywhere obviously would include Anarchy in the arena, um, the kind of hardcore matches that Paul was mentioning earlier that end up in rivers and things like that. I think could could be counted as Falls Count Anywhere. Um, True. From, from, I think for me, I've seen a lot of the time a dog collar match ends up being a bit of a hindrance. Whereas Fool's Count Anywhere gives the wrestlers a huge amount of freedom to kind of go and do things, to jump off the stage, to, to go around the arena, to kind of do a hardcore match, but without being confined you know, to the ring. Um, I would probably lean towards Fool's Count Anywhere. But what do you guys think? What about you, Paul? What are you thinking? I mean, I, I haven't seen a load of dog collar matches, but the quality of them has been real high. Hmm. Um, I'm thinking the Ring of Honor, the Jay Briscoe last match, basically the Brody Lee last match, um, CM Punk MJF, obviously, all excellent. Yeah. So you know, I got to think, yeah, potentially it's a hindrance, but also, why why do these matches consistently be excellent? You know, I want to say Falls Count Anywhere. Unfortunately, this also applies to AEW, is a match that they do too often. Yeah, that I, you know, it, it's true that there are great ones, but like, what would I be more excited for now if they announced a dog collar match or a false kind of anywhere match? I mean, it has to be dog collar, right? Yeah, okay, okay. So, I think for me, I'm gonna go for full scout anywhere match just because I think of the variety and okay. potential for mayhem. Barry? Yeah, it's really tough because False Count Anywhere is also one of those extremely broad um, types of thing that whereas Dog Hunter is very specific. And with its broadness for False Count Anywhere, you get lots of great stuff and you get lots of mm. shite. And I do also agree it's been trotted out so much, whereas Dog Hunter has been protected. I'm going to go with. I'm going to go with Dog Collar, which I feel like I would not have gone with if you asked me this question two years ago, which I think speaks to to AEW really bringing a classic uh, genre mm-hmm. back to the fore. But yeah, I'll go, I'll go Dog Collar on this one. Nice. And Paul, you're down for Dog Collar? Yeah. Okay, so Dog Collar advances to the next round. Um, the next matchup, the 
Royal Rumble slash Battle Royal slash Casino Royale slash Aztec Warfare. So essentially a match where a lot of people are in a ring and have to get thrown over the top rope to be eliminated, essentially. Okay. Versus the Survivor Series match or a a kind of tag team elimination match, a multi-man elimination match. So however you want to slice that. So obviously Survivor Series match, Oh God, its origins probably go way back beyond the Survivor Series, but kind of most well known as being kind of five on five or four versus four, uh, the Survivor Series dropped pretty quickly. Though it only really lasted until 1987 to ninety two, and I think then they realised it was a bit boring, a bit of a <laughs> just a, just a bit of a gimmick, and they kind of moved away from it. And um, the Royal Rumble, however, well, it's probably the most lauded gimmick match, I think in wrestling history and is an annual staple of WWE and has also been imitated kind of many, many, many times. Uh, of course as well, the battle Royale, another staple of wrestling, uh, get a load of blokes in a ring and they will throw <laughs> each other out. You know, that's been, that's been done since the very beginning as well. And of course, Paul's favorite, the casino Royale, which is AEW's innovation where, uh, what five fellas come out once instead of one, I think it's except the last one where that didn't. And then the last one comes out. Yeah. So, what are we thinking? Royal Rumble and Battle Royals or Survivor Series? I mean, I mean I'll... I... Go ahead, go Barry. Go ahead. No, you go, uh, you go, you go. You go. You go. Okay. You go. You go. I, I will say, and this is past my youth speaking, I have always found the Survivor Series to be very overrated. I think possibly because I didn't grow up in its heyday. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, I've liked plenty. I think when they're done well, um, it can be really great. I think mm-hmm. back... Oh God. And even this is fucking 15 years ago. I think it was like the Kofi one where he beat Orton was really fun. Um, Orton's had a couple of really good performances in them. The HBK Austin mm. one uh, or HBK Orton with Austin's career on the line. Mm. There's been good ones, but I, again, it's another one where, where I think the booking of it in the modern context hurts it. Mm. Um, uh, but um, uh, yeah, it's just like one of those things and just people getting pinned off of random moves a lot of the time as well. And, you know, um, I think I think the good the good years are kind of outweighed by the bad or the mediocre years. Uh, yeah. And Royal Rumbles had plenty of stinkers. Don't get me wrong, but I feel like there's there's also like you can have a lot of fun watching a shit Royal Rumble as well, mm. uh, as we found out just last year. Um, and I think while nothing has come close to the original, I think there's been some very fun spins on it. I thought Aztec Warfare, the first one at least, was very fun. Yeah. Um, so I'd have to go Royal Rumble. I think. Yeah, I think I. When it comes to Survivor Series, there have been some really, really good ones. But I, I always enjoyed in the earlier days just the team nature of it, like having these kind of unusual themed teams yeah. almost. So like Roddy Piper, Jimmy Snooker, and the Bushwhackers, these kind of like sav- the t- team of savages and all this kind of thing, or the Million Dollar Team, or... Hogan's uh, Heroes. Yeah, Sharpshooters, that kind of thing. I love that nature of it. The actual match itself wasn't as important as the fact you had to kind of... A, a stable of almost like a, a, a temporary stable of wrestlers put together just for one night that's a kind of cool yeah. aspect and i think they kind of stopped doing that i don't know if you remember the one that was like dx cm punk and was it the hardy boys as well i think that yeah, was that. that was yeah, one what a team. Last really cool one um but yeah for me the royal rumble it's, it's royal for a reason you know it's this it's the king um fantastic match where constantly like someone new coming out 
um, constant kind of drama. You can tell an hour long story, but without it getting kind of boring or depending on just, you know, two guys. Um, I think the Royal Rumble wins clear, clearly for me against Survivor Series. I was going to say about Survivor Series, the, the, the shame is is that I, I do like the concept a lot. Mm. I like the simplicity of it, but their proclivity, proclivity, mm. another word, um, of just doing random multi-man tag matches all year long, just, you know, killed off the, the specialness of it. Imagine that they, you almost never saw all your favorites team up and that to be fair i think to aw's credit they don't do a lot of that so if you suddenly had and blood and blood and guts i guess is the closest but you would suddenly have all your top favorites on one team it would be like a a special cool event mm. but, but you know the 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 multi-man becoming such a common occurrence just kind of killed off the appeal of the survivor series and you know they they, they stopped doing them and then they brought them back and then they stopped doing them and then they brought them back and then it became uh for for a brand bragging rights or whatever and Surprising. like no one cared ever yeah. about that so yeah i gotta go as, as horrible as most battle royals are I gotta go for the royal rumble i suppose nice um so moving on next contest the scramble match um <laughs> um which i'm gonna read the rules here from prowrestlingfandom.com Uh, The match starts with two superstars in the ring with a 20-minute time limit. Every five minutes, a new superstar comes out. Uh, Each time a wrestler scores a pinfall or submission, they become the interim champion uh, until the time limit is up. And whoever has the... Oh, that scramble match. Yeah, that's... I thought you was the bunch of fucking jabronis in a ring doing flips, not catching each other. Uh, scramble match. Is there a definition of that match? Because I, I yeah, the scramble match was multi-person match is basically all that. Well, scramble, scramble match was specifically the Unforgiven. Well, no. In excuse me, sir, there is wrestling outside of World Wrestling Entertainment. Well, okay? that, they always they that was what they called it. But a scramble is an extremely generic. Here's a GCW opener where a bunch of fucking people are diving out of the ring, smacking their heads off the concrete. Yeah. It's a yeah. it's a multi-person. Spot fest match is basically what scramble. Yeah, I forgot we were doing Hell in a Cell, Survivor Series, Royal Rumble, and GCW Scramble. Sorry. Uh, so, oh, 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 the, fam- <laughs> the famous WWE Don Collar matches. The famous WWE Don Collar matches that have happened in history. Yeah, that we that we've that we've selected here. <laughs> in my best Wayne Johnson voice. Shut up, bitch. <laughs> anyway, the fucking unforgiven thing where Brian Kendrick won the title first. That's that. That's what I was. That's what yeah. I. Yeah. Was the- um. I mean, I don't know if I ever even saw one of those. I think they were shit, weren't they? And that well, yeah, they're sorry, awful. I should I should tell you the second one, the lumberjack, <laughs> yeah. the lumberjack match. Oh, oh god, terrible. this is the this, this is a fucking a, murderer's a row of categories. Stinker, a stinker of a tie here. I I if they didn't do the thing where you were called the champion while you were the active man, I don't mm. hate the idea of an almost like capture the flag kind of one person is winning this match currently. Yeah. And you have to, now it's a bit it's it's extremely WWE. It's extremely WWE. Like it's just it's not about besting anyone. It's just it's a goofball game show premise. But I actually don't hate it. I actually think it's very silly. Uh, the matches were not great, and as evidenced by the fact the idea petered out. They did like an ECW mm. one like six months later, and that was that was it. They never went back to it. Um, God, lumberjacks are just so bad, though. They're so bad. I mean, 
I, I, I know the one that WWE's run into the ground, but also I haven't enjoyed mm. any like AEW ones or any TNA ones. Like I, I can't remember ever it's seeing an them. idea that I think it should work, but for some reason it never does. Like I like the idea of like it's almost like a human cage match. Like the lumberjack should be like yeah. there to keep them in to like really you know. But it's it's never them. portrayed as that. It's portrayed no. as the heels kind of cheat and then it's oh just, they're... it's just a bunch of bored like mid carders standing around the ring and occasionally they beat the beat up the babyface like that's yeah, it. It's exactly. like, well, you know, maybe they shouldn't have like the wrestlers do it. They should get like professional lumberjacks to actually, um, I don't know, hit people with wood or whatever lumberjacks do. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I I feel like I would still go for the lumberjack match over the scramble match just because, yeah, of its place in wrestling history and it's kind of, I don't know. I think it doesn't help that they've never done a serious main. I mean, I don't say never, but like in modern in the modern era mm. they've never done a serious main event like lumberjack match no like you don't see a pay-per-view main evented by a lumberjack match it's always been a c tier miz versus someone 45 minutes into raw in a lumberjack match you know that that's its place mm. Mm. um i'll go for the scramble i i i, could, I don't think anything mm. could come up and I, I would pick it over lumberjack match okay barry What's your, your decisive pick? Oh god, it's Sophie's choice. Um You know what? I'll go for the scramble. Because I, I, I just think I think okay. I think there was it was enough I, I, I had a, a couple of mild thrills with the scramble match. I've never enjoyed a lumberjack match. I've never <laughs> enjoyed enough. one. Fair enough. So scramble match advances to face the Royal Rumble in the <laughs> <laughs> um, Well, look forward to that one. Okay. Uh, so two more, two more to go, and we'll save the second half of the bracket for next week. Okay. Um, the next tie, War Games match versus the two out of three falls match, which I included because I had to get to thirty-two. So it's okay. No, so much, it's, it's, I think that's a, a very valid it's, entry. It's not much of a gimmick, but it is, it is a kind of a gimmick. Um, now, I the thing with the two out of three falls is there's always a thing of. They have the to first fall feels very incidental. You have to win one each, and then you go to a third one. So it's kind of like, what's the point? Like you're just going to the third four, right? Um, there's obviously been some that, have, that did two zero. Yeah, they've got they've done it. Properly, you know, it's yeah. been it's been happened. Um, I feel like I mean I would include actually in this I would include the three stages of hell as a two out of three yeah, falls of match. Course, Even yeah. though it has gimmicks within it, it's still kind of a two out of three falls. Mm. So if you want to throw that into the mix in your decision, please feel free. Um, I, of course, love War Games. It's kind of personally probably my favorite gimmick, if I'm being very subjective about it. 92 is my favorite match. Uh, 89 and 91 were very good. 87 was all right. And then I think after that in WCW, um, they weren't particularly good. They were some okay, some bad, very bad. Um, I never really enjoyed the TNA version. Um, I maybe just because it's TNA just the way they yeah. did it I, I I didn't like the rules I didn't like the fact they brought in pinfalls I didn't like the weapons element to yeah. it either I, that, that never sat well with me I didn't really enjoy the the NXT version because obviously they're not going to do hardcore it's just kind of WWE tables and trash cans like I think um, and to be honest Blood and Guts I thought would be would bring back memories of those kind of early WCW ones but I really did not like either of the Blood and Guts Closer matches. to the NXT model, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they have, because it's like, not to get too derailed here, but we're kind of, 
it's whispery. It seemed like they might be doing another one soon, like uh, BCC mm. versus the Elite. And I was like, oh, that'd be cool. Well, the last Actually. two were like, the last two were like close to being really good, but they mm. quite literally did not stick the landing on either one. Yeah. Um, Going yeah. outside the cage, uh, got being way too long as well. Yeah, well, yeah, same with the NXT, with the length on, on the modern war mm. games is crazy. It's crazy. And I feel like yeah. the TNA ones were the same as well. They fucking went forever. Yeah, it, sh- it shouldn't go that long. Um, having said that, though, I would still go for war games over the two out of three falls match because I just think it is a spectacle. Mm. It's I like, I know people's criticism is that, oh, well, it match can't end until everyone's in. So it's a bit of a kind of dead space until that happens but i feel like if the match is good enough that doesn't really matter because most wrestling matches aren't going to end after four minutes we know that like they're going to go 20 minutes that's just the conceit of wrestling i think if the action is good enough it doesn't matter i think it can get through that but a lot of the time it just isn't but i would still go for war games even though i do i do enjoy a good two out of three falls match um and i think those should be used more often i feel like that that's a match that could be kind of almost more of a standard match a two out of three falls and, and gives and it helps you get around that the fact of someone, um, and so often you see this where someone gets like a visible pin, or the ref, you know, ref bumps and things like that because they want to give them something to make up for the fact they're losing. Well, yeah. two out of three falls, I think, gives gives both the chance to kind of win one and come out with some credibility. But I'm going to go for war games after two. I think war games for me as well. I mean, okay. I, I like I like a big cage and. Uh, Two out of three falls is 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 good depending on who's in it, but mm. it's it's the kind of quality doesn't often depend on the on the gimmick. It depends on the participants. So that that feels almost too close to a standard match to me. If there's some if there's some gimmick element to it, like stages of hell, then that's that's something yeah. else. But yeah, I prefer war games. Uh, yeah, I'll go war games as well. Nice. And the final match, the first half of the first round. The gauntlet match versus the casket match, and, <laughs> and casket match. I'm I'm including any match where you put someone inside another, you know, object. Exactly. Yeah. So a dumpster match, uh, or an ambulance match, or any anything else okay. like that. Okay. Um, so essentially, you got to lock your opponent into throw into them into a thing, thing match. Yeah. yeah. Close the door. Um, that is, now that's one with a extremely wide variance. Um, I thought, funnily enough, I thought the first ambulance match between Shane and Kane was a, mm. a pretty good, violent spectacle. Mm-hmm. They've since done a bunch of other crap ones, obviously, as they yeah. always do. Casket matches, ninety percent shit. Uh, <laughs> the Phoenix Mil Muertes one is phenomenal. Um, Darby's mm-hmm. ones have been pretty fun. Darby's ones have been good. Oh, the Brody match. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I, I almost kind of prefer the dumpster match to the casket match because it's it's less delicate. Like you can do more with the dumpster in terms yeah. of like th- moves into it or throwing people into it. Um, yeah. Whereas the casket, you, you kind of have to lay them gently into it a lot of the time <laughs> or like it's a bit fiddly getting the door closed right. and things like that. So I quite like a dumpster match. Um I do quite enjoy the odd casket match as well, though. Like you say, bro, uh, derbies have been very good. Um, even the Undertaker, like it's a great kind of signature match for him, regardless of the quality of the match. It's like that one of those kind of perfect, like this match fits this guy kind of match, like mm. as a signature. So 
I, I do like that aspect of it. Gauntlet matches, um, they're, they're usually like like kind of like a handicap match. They're given out as punishments. It's like yeah. you're going to have to beat these five guys and blah blah blah. And it's right. just, yeah, there's never really much of the story to those. I think it's always lacking. Well, the worst is is when it's not even that. It's just a gauntlet match to determine the number one contenders to the SmackDown Tag Team oh, Titles yeah. at fully loaded and it's just the the fourth team in win and it's just it's not even it's not a gimmick match it's just a series of very short bad matches yeah yeah you know so uh yes i i would i would go for the casket match yeah yeah i think i think yeah casket okay please be on the casket so there we go so that's the first half of our bracket complete some uh interesting matches coming up in the next round we will see. Yeah. Mm. We'll see. No, I'm excited. I'm excited to return to this one. Yeah. I can't wait to vote for Brad Panny's match over uh literally anything else. Um, over <laughs> cannot wait. Match. Yeah. <laughs> Alrighty. That was uh Bop It Twisted br- Bop It Pull It Twisted Bracket. Yeah. Uh, which were uh, which will be a, that's a multi-part series. You can tune in next week for more of that. Uh, we'll flick over to our television reviews here, starting with Dynamite, uh, which a bit of a mixed bag this week. Didn't love Dynamite this week. Uh, opened up with Swerve and Darby. Ooh, uh, old rivals, old rivals, bloody good opponents, mate. Mm. That's what the old saying goes. Uh, enjoyed this. Wasn't crazy on. Uh, it was so obvious. I, you know, I. I Actually, I was going to say it was super obvious, but I kind of looked at this match and I was like, oh, I don't really like the idea of either of these guys losing. And I guess it made more sense for Swerve to lose, but because Darby's doing the pay-per-view. But bit bit soon in the new Swerve direction to be beating him in a high-profile match, I thought. Uh, I thought it was okay. I think because of where Darby is, I I didn't mind it. And I think they need to do more of this. This has been the problem with AEW. Like Normally, they would do Darby versus, I don't know, some Silas Young. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be some like complete jobber, and it's like, okay, got a win, but did it really matter? Whereas I hope this one did matter because Swerve has, you know, Swerve's right. really good and some heat. Um, so I, I like the fact that they did this, and I don't think it hurts Swerve too much. I think he's he's pretty so good. They all kind of move on from this. Um, yeah, and I thought that I mean the post match was the best stuff on the show. I, I loved the promo with Sting, Darby, and um, and MJF. Um, I thought MJF was good, but then I thought Darby kind of one-upped him uh, by going very kind of real, very sort of mm. authentic. And then I love the stuff from Sting. Sting is such so good. I mean, uh, obviously a debate on Twitter this week about Sting, Sting and Undertaker, and who's who's the kind of the best. Well, this promo from Sting was better than any uh, promo the Undertaker's done in his entire life. So <laughs> I I think Sting's pretty good, and I like the way he sold the match. I like the way he kind of Made it a little bit real, a little bit, little bit shooty, but not too shooty. And then a little bit really kind of putting Darby over as like the next icon of the company. So I, I love this segment. I thought Sting was brilliant. I liked his little allusion to Joker Sting as well. Yeah, that was good. I didn't think he was going to do it, but he did it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it was, uh, I mean, the match was was great, first of all, and I think Joe is 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 on the the money there. I think when you're building up these pillars who have been arguably 
underutilized. You got to give them some serious wins if you're going to have them in the main event of the pape. You can't do like Ricky Starks wins the thing out of nowhere and now he's on Grand Slam for the title. You know, you got to get some believability in there. And then, yeah, I mean, you know, the 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 heel getting one up for a change doesn't doesn't bother me at all. You know, um, I still think Darby's delivery has a little way to go. Um, but yeah, generally as a segment, I, th- I thought it, it did the job and Sting is just having fun. And, and that, mean, that means that I have fun when Sting's having fun. So <laughs> thumbs up. He didn't jump off a balcony though. That was my one, my one nitpick of the week. <laughs> He's only human. He's only, yeah, you know, he could have done a little, little, little bit at least. Uh, I loved his, uh, his jacket he had on like a uh, drive with the scorpion on the back. They have to start selling that. That is a great jacket. Very, oh, very, very cool. Oh, that's where that. Um, I was surprised then we had powerhouse Hobbs against Silas Young. And I'm thinking, right, we're going to have a little bit of a, a Hoss, a Hoss fight here. And then Hobbs just beat him in like three moves. Yeah. yeah I suppose this is the opposite of what we were talking about with the opener, wasn't it? Mm, exactly. <laughs> This was this was pointless. <laughs> oh, you know what? I, I I do have a nitpick. I do have a real nitpick of the week. Mm. So they set up uh Hobbs turned up in this car, right? Which oh, which God. to be fair, they they did mention the week before. Yeah, they did at least do a, a full week build to it. I will they, say they, they at least did. But I felt like in the context of this show, you have to set that up at the beginning of the show that Hobbs is here with his fancy car. And then late in the show, you give the payoff. Whereas they did it in one segment. Hobbs is coming out. Oh, here's a little video during his entrance. He arrived in a car earlier. And then in that same segment, Wardlow's destroying the car. You know, that would have been a nice, that was what we were talking about the other week, Joe. That would have been a nice, you know, after the Derby um, segment, you cut backstage, a car is arriving. Who's in this mm. car? Oh, it's it's Hobbs and his entourage, and that's the carry guy. And he comes out and he's fucking shucking and jiving and loving life. And powerhouse, powerhouse Hobbs is here, and he's going to be in action coming up later tonight. And you just have a little a little powerhouse arrives segment, yeah. And then later on in the show, you can have Wardlow get the payback. But I think it, all being compressed into one segment, it felt like the build up and the payoff didn't didn't linger enough for it to mean anything when it when it eventually happened. Um, and uh, yeah, and, and it's just it's what yeah, it was very rushed, and it was also one of those things that when they introduced it last week, and give them credit for doing the two weeks, you just knew what was going to happen, didn't you? I mean, it was it was telegraphed a million miles away, right? Mm-hmm. Well, predictable is not necessarily bad unless you're Ariel Helwani. Well, it's not it's 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 not, but I think when you're predicting a, a super gross thing that we've seen 10 million times that the the, the, re, the I mean the main thing to say about about the car thing is that it didn't get any meaningful reaction at all and then powerhouse no. uh, and then uh, sorry ha, uh, fucking god try a third time wardlow comes out in front of the people and power bombs solo off the stage and that was the most like non reaction for a power bomb off the stage you've ever seen i think it's just people are not titillated by the forklift stuff anymore they're just not 
And to me, not only are they not titillated by it, it actually even came off came off a little bit desperate. Like like they are they do not really have a Wardlow direction mm. uh, or a meaningful kind of arc for him to go on, and he's just doing generic attitude era stuff. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, and and they did that interview with him with Jr. where he kind of talked about his dad and everything, and it was like that was an attempt to kind of humanize him, give the do the emotional stuff. And yeah, it's that like, was good. It was good in itself, but as to Barry's point, it kind of feels like they just well, we need to try something to to get yeah, him over. Yeah. Like it was when he was the silent kind of killer, you know, the, the the tough guy that everyone wanted to get behind. That was that worked better. Now he's trying to, you know, is he is he is he Austin? Is he you know something uh, you know what i mean well i was gonna say if you're gonna do attitude error you have wardlow show up in a monster truck and drive uh, drive over the the mm. car that would at least have been visually spectacular rather than he takes an age to hit it with a a battle hammer or whatever he had and then drives a forklift into and tips it over like it just took if number one it took too long mm. and it, it wasn't a while, it yeah. wasn't exciting you know I, I think you if you're going to do that you, you can maybe take a different tack to it um Drive it off a bridge or something. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> or dump a load of cow shit into it or something. You know, I mean the the classic one, the the concrete into Vince's convertible. Like the idea of using a convertible for that because you can then do something different with it is is something that maybe they could have done as well. But hmm. what did he- I, I I I just feel as though it's going to be tough to get into this storyline when it feels like the the end goal is probably Wardlow getting a big, big victory. But like I'm looking at I, I'm looking at this whole thing. And I'm like I don't I don't of these two guys. I definitely prefer Hobbs. And not only do I feel like Wardlow's winning, I just I I feel like Hobbs is just weighed down with all the QTV mm. stuff and car angles. Oh God, it's just he's. We've been waiting such a long time for a meaningful Hobbs television run. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And I, it just feels like it doesn't have the the steam it should. Right. But uh, yeah. So uh, yeah, that was uh, that was that. We got a, a video package uh, and basically announcing the formation of Bullet Club Gold, another subdivision of, of Bullet Club. So it's Jay White and and Juice Robinson, and I guess. Maybe they'll recruit other people. Maybe this could be another another company where every couple of months we'll get, oh, no, he joined the fucking Bullet Club. You know, mm. fair enough. Um, yeah. Uh, Buddy Matthews versus Orange Cassidy uh, for the international title. This, was, well, this is what felt like the start of a big new direction for Cassidy, which is kind of like, is he wearing down from all these defenses because he's been such a fighting mm. champion is he starting to break apart and is perhaps his loss coming because eventually he's going to run out of steam right I, I, yeah I don't know I, I don't know <laughs> that's the answer yeah I don't know yeah <laughs> it could be it could just be that this match I think it, it works quite very well the, the kind of way they did it I think him selling that particular injury I don't know if they're doing that. I, I, I'd like to see him hold on to it for a while. I think he's really established it. Yeah. From where it started as the All-Atlantic and the kind of bit of a random title, it's become where I think where the TNT title was during Derby, during Miro. It's kind of rain. 
So I'd like to see. Yeah. I want to have. I want to love to see me have a proper like big feud with someone else big, like a swerve, or yeah, someone of that that ilk. Like have a proper feud over it going into the title into the um, the pay per view. Yeah, I, I I like that the world title doesn't get defended very often at all, but you have still a essentially a world champion on TV. Yeah, that fulfills that purpose, and, and that makes the the actual world champions seem or championship seem a little bit more special because unlike WWE, it's not. And WWE, to be fair, with Roman Reigns currently, don't do that. But over the last 20, 25 years, WWE title on the line constantly kind of devalues it a little bit. Mm. So yeah, Cassidy uh, uh, retained in this one. Uh, that, then we got an Ethan Page promo complaining about what went down last week with ha- Matt Hardy and, and Isaiah Cassidy. It's like right into a brawl. Um, and then we got the return of one Jeffrey Nero Hardy um, back in the fold. I honestly had kind of forgotten about um, Jeff, although... When he came out here, it kind of the the entire rest of the of this angle kind of made sense because like, oh right, mm. yeah, okay, Matt mm. Hardy kind of isolated and, and being taken advantage of and and needs to save. Of course, that would make that would make sense. Um, but yeah, yeah, um, you know, I I'm a, I'm a little bored of doing the Jeff Hardy dance to be quite honest with you, and I don't mean literally the thing he does where he comes out and he shakes his hands. And I'm like, one hand. Well, he didn't do it. He didn't hand. do it this time. No, no, he was doing a run in, but he ha- uh. he has done it when he's saving people in the past. But yeah, you know, just the just the you know off TV, and then once he comes back, we're like all right, everything everything's better now. We he fixed it. You know, we've 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 gone back and forth and done that so many times that I I, I just it's very hard for me to get meaningfully you know like excited about it. Yeah, I mean, I feel like on one hand, I've outside of wrestling, I've, I've watched and and listened to a lot of stuff with recovering addicts and it's interesting because they often have a, a specific way of speaking when they're sober when they're clean whether it's yeah. people like steve-o or whatever you know they they, they have a a different way of hat carrying themselves than than they did before and it was interesting hearing jeff being interest being interviewed on rampage where he was like i, I have three things my my this my that, my that and it was almost like they have these things that they not rehearse but they have their lines that they say you know, mm-hmm. to get over their, you know, explain their soberness to people. And it felt like that to me. So I would take that as a kind of at least a positive step. But um, I mean, I agree that this man who <laughs> seems to be held together by duct tape and chewing gum at this stage, maybe the best thing for his sobriety is not coming back and hitting the swanton one more time brother off a ladder or whatever that's the other thing as well is like is this specific job the best thing for someone to be in if they have these issues i mean it's the, mm. it's everyone it's like everyone even even a casual fan understands the destructive physical toll wrestling takes but look i, I mean yeah, it's his passion obviously you know I don't, I don't think he wants to do anything else so you know uh look we'll see we'll see where this goes um uh, you know in the in the weeks to come uh, after that, we got uh, an extend, basically an extended squash where uh, uh, Blackpool Combat Club destroyed Nakazawa and Cutler. Uh, before that, we got a Kenny Omega video where he's talking about how annoyed he was that they beat up Don Callis with with the Don Callis painting in the background. Yes, of oh, course. Yes. Yeah, love it. But uh, yeah, they beat the shit out of the uh, the elite jabronis. Of course, of course, as they um, should have. Yeah. 
Yeah, big big blade job by the two the two brothers. Fair play uh, to them. Yeah, fair fair play to them. Cutler Cutler took took the blade coast to coast. It's very nice. Um, and then obviously the post match was the return of the very premature return of Matt Jackson with his arm and little doohickey. And yeah, the elite, the elite beat him up. I, 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 I almost felt like they, they shouldn't have actually got any hits in on the combat club just yet. You know, they, I think here I would have just had them run them off. But whatever. Like visually, even I would have had Omega Command stage and the your combat club are fucking. <laughs> what's this? What's this chap going to do to us? You know, and then maybe they come out and flank him, and suddenly it's like, oh Jesus, the the numbers are even. Instead of like the come from behind thing, like that's not mm. really a baby face thing anyway, is it? Attack from behind. Anyway, good to see him back, but uh, he's all right. Yeah, uh, we got. We got a tag match with the women, and then after the match, the outcast beat up one of the baby faces and spray painted them. And then here comes Jamie Hader to make the save. Have you seen this segment before, everyone? And then, and then here comes Britt Baker to make the save. Why didn't they just run out together? I don't know. I, bitch, you wait for my music to play. It's like it's like Vampiro going, "Where's my fucking music? I can't come out for my music to play." <laughs> I love any opportunity to remember that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, just I'm so sick of these segments. My God, how long are we going to last? I mean, next week because they are in Pittsburgh, they're doing a big Brit and Jamie against Tony and and Ruby match. So, like, mm. oh, we have to get some meaningful advancement here. I'm sick of these things where they chase them off. It's so it's so boilerplate. Like, we need to get something a bit more um, uh, uh, meaningful in there. But um, anyway, a uh, main event was Keith Lee versus Chris Jericho. And uh, there's probably another timeline where this match was good, but this one was not it. Um, I have a funny story about this, actually. So I was watching watching Dynamite, and the Manchester United game was on Thursday evening. So I watched it up to the main event, Mm. and then we went to go watch the football uh, and just forgot to watch (laughs) watch the main event. And then it was the following day, and I said, oh, my God, we never finished watching Dynamite. Never finished it. So I had to go back and watch this one match. And... Yeah, it was it was um, slow. wasn't particularly exciting. It was long. Um, the only thing I remember from is that Adam Cole came down. And then we we all pointed and said, "Budge, remember Budge?" Yes, that was of course. Yeah. Yeah. Adam Adam Cole did the little Jericho look as well. Oh God, this angle is not off to a good start. Oh God, the little look. I'll, like also like so like we're getting we're going into it. We're reheating Keith Lee and Swerve again, which is fine. But they're both coming off big losses, and then fucking Keith Lee got so he got so fucking. I'm trying to think of, of, of another comparison. He got so B tier player treated in this segment where the real star adam cole comes out and is like hey buddy come on let's get out of here you 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 did okay it's like man what the fuck and adam cole's acting doing the jericho thing which i hated at the time as well they're looking over the shoulder oh terrible absolutely terrible yeah it was fine no it wasn't fine <laughs> it was right. fine, it was it not fine. I've, I've seen a lot of terrible stuff i don't think this is quite quite that bad 
I've really had enough of Jericho. I just I'm Jerichoed out. I am. Yeah. He needs he needs. Uh, well, well get ready for the summer of punk, brother. Well, that's that's it. It's so funny. Of of all the people in the world, punk could be working with, you know. But anyway, did anyone watch Rampage? No, I watched. It was, it was actually all right. It was actually okay. It was alright. Aussie Open Best Friends was quite good. That was good. Um, the Hardy interview I mentioned. So, so they're doing a, a deletion match. Mm. Um, Wait, who is the Hardys? Uh, Isaiah Cassidy and Hook. What a team that is! Wait. Against the firm. Oh, that sounds dreadful. And oh this my will God. this will be the actual the Hardys get out or they get out of the contract with the firm. Even though, what was the point of the whole write the contract with uh, the other uh, week? They, they did a horrible job explaining that. I never want to hear about contracts again. I just no, so tired no, no. of that shit. Stop. Yeah. About it. Tony interviewed FTR in the ring and they, they they explained that they're signed for four more years and then they're done. Um Mark Briscoe, I actually like the Mark Briscoe and uh Jay Lethal team little storyline. Mm. This was this is a fun little segment. Uh did they, they made a t-shirt, it's like a pin pals t-shirt. And it had, on the front it has Jay Lethal, Jeff Jarrett, Sanjay Dutt, and Satnam Singh's mm. little cartoon faces. And then Mark Briscoe's is down on the bottom by the hip. Little Mark Briscoe face. Very, very funny. Um, Tyre Valkyrie won a match against Emi Sakura. I tell you, every time I see a wrestle, I'm less excited about seeing Tyre Valkyrie. Um, that was that was like Keith Lee Jericho part two, that match was. Um, and then my favorite, my favorite segment of the week, my Hong Kong of the week, is... Uh, the uh, the Jericho Appreciation Society in the ring, showing how rap is easy. Anyone can do it, and they did a little <laughs> rap. They did a little rap, um, which which Matt Menard got all his lines in somehow about sports entertainers and how his nipples are hard. Uh, and then the acclaimed came out and and attacked, and in in the first um instance on mainstream tv since maybe early 1999 when kai and ty were gonna choppy chop val venus's pp <laughs> um daddy ass had a pair of scissors and he was going to cut off matt menard's uh, hard nipples uh which he didn't because they were able to escape um I, I I do like the idea though of of someone doing an angle where someone injures menard's nips and he's like <laughs> out of action and he's, he's got like plasters on him or something um and they do a do an injury angle where someone someone like el fantasmo does the, the old nipple the old nipple mm. twister someone gets menard and does does his nips in and he's not able to wrestle or something i think that'd be quite funny <laughs> this segment was a lot of fun and then the main event the return of sean spears uh he was defeated by jack perry in a Straightforward match. Okay. Yeah, that didn't that didn't that didn't appeal to me very much, to be honest. Uh, the scissors to the nips. Come on now. <laughs> okay, fair enough. I was referring specifically to the main event, but you know. Oh no, the main event. Uh, a show, a show of contrast. Sean Spears is all right. He's all right. He is all right. I'm a Sean <laughs> Spears <laughs> defender. Right, right. Uh, that's rampage. And that's the wrestling for this week. We'll move on to movie guff. Um, I saw a film. I'm just back from a film, in fact, to do this podcast. Uh, 
I went to Le Cinema and I saw a little motion picture you may have heard of called the Super Mario Brothers movie. Okay. Um, the talk of the town, <laughs> the most successful animated film of all time, or whatever the fuck it is. Um, biggest opening, I think, for an animated film ever. Um, so I saw that and I enjoyed it. I saw a lot of vitriolic reviews for it. I didn't quite understand that. It was about at the level I expected it to be, maybe a smidge lower than I expected it to be. Uh, maybe like a hair or two below the level of like Sonic, you know, mm. that level of like watchable kids movie with some decent jokes and a bit of charm and uh, lots of references for the nerds. Obviously this, this film had probably more references per frame than anything I've ever seen in my life. I mean, they ram this thing. I mean, they really, they really, to, to the degree, I'm like, what are you going to do in the second film? Because you did it all in this. You got every <laughs> reference in there. Um, beyond that, I think I think the uh, the strengths of it are the animation, which is really good. It's a really nice, colorful movie that takes that world you know from like, you know, Mario, I picked the most recent Mario 3D games in particular, takes that world and really beautifully and vividly creates it on the screen. And and brings it all wholesale as well to the point they have like power ups in the movie and they just call them power ups. They're just like this is just a thing we have in this world. It's all it's taken all in. Um, a solid voice cast. I think people have to be fair and say that Chris Pratt was not bad at all in the movie. I think he's, he does his okay job. The whole cast is I would say really good. With uh, not that she's bad, but Anya Taylor Joy is kind of just doing it. She's just talking. She's just, she's just, hello, I'm Princess Peach. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? She's kind of that, that's kind of what her performance is. But other than that, everyone is, everyone is good. Um, I think, I think the only real knocks I have on it is that it, it could have been a lot better. I think if you're making a real proper, proper kids movie and you're like a studio like uh, Illumination, there's zero incentive to do anything super meaningful in terms of like, biting jokes or interesting characters or you know that's what's different from them and say a pixar and so there's a couple of chuckles to be had in the film but you're you're not going to get anything really hilarious gut busting uh, uh comedy for a film with a lot of jokes this one has none, none too hilarious and the other thing as well is this music this game has this game i'm getting confused here what medium is this this film uh <laughs> this film has tons of really wonderful original songs uh, that are rearranged versions of of classic Mario music, and obviously Mario music is fantastic. So much great music in the Mario franchise over the years, and they use a bunch of it really well. You know, orchestrated versions of it for the score in this film. It's great, but they still felt the need, as basically every film like this does, to have a bunch of really terrible needle drops in it. Um, we got "I Need a Hero," we got "Thunderstruck," we got. Um, uh, what is the other? Oh God, I've already forced it out of my brain. Take on uh, me. Take on me yeah. is in there. It's like I don't need to hear these songs ever again. Yeah. Put a popular song in there, fine, whatever. Put a current popular song in there. Put WAP in there if you're so <laughs> inclined. Like, but do a kids version of it. I've got a a, a, a wacky action peach or some <laughs> shit like that. But like. How are we still putting Thunderstruck in movies? Come on, like, 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 as if it wasn't already overdone. We've just had like ten years of Iron Man. Do you know what I mean? Having it, 
Take on me. I never. We just earlier this year had Last of Us doing Take on Me. I think Take on Me has probably been done twice a year, every year since it came out. I was like, I'd rather you put worse modern songs in there just to have a break from all of these songs. Like, and it's like, and it's like, oh well, it's a it's a fucking kids movie. Kids kids don't care about that. Kids don't care about Thunderstruck. They don't know what the fuck it is, okay? And my, my theory is that if you're old enough to know the song, you're also bored of it, okay? Yeah. So get all that shit out of there. I would take I would take every single licensed song out of this movie. If I was if, I, if they put out Barry's Cut on Blu-ray, take all that shit out and put in more of the really great remixes of the game mm. music in there because all that stuff is fabulous. Um, but yeah, it's 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 not going to blow your mind. It's not some god tier Pixar unseating animation classic. But I think I think you'll have fun with it. And obviously, if you if you are in any way drawn to the franchise, you'll 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 enjoy all the nodding and winking. It's all very cute. Um, mm. So yeah, that's the Mario movie. Uh, it made seven bajillion dollars. I look forward to the next one. I don't know if there was a post credit scene. I didn't stay to see Blorco show up. Uh, um, uh, but yeah, I have to. You, 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 you missed the Laura Croft uh, cameo. Though. Oh, that'd be sick. Honestly, <laughs> like I'm so uh, like so many people have so over connected universes and all that other bullshit. But I, if like they do another one of these, and then they do like a Zelda movie, and then they do a Smash Brothers movie, I that that'd be class. I would be all in on that. Um, as for like notable exceptions, unless they're in the post credits, which I didn't see, notable exceptions, no Wario in the movie. So, if, so for the inevitable sequel, which there definitely will be, that's something they could do for the next one. Mm. Um, uh, they they kind of they hit a lot of they get a lot of off the list in this one. You got Mario, Luigi, Peach, Daisy's in in, in a, a small role. No, sorry, Rosalina's in a small a small role. Um, uh, Toads. Uh, uh, Bowser, Donkey Kong, Cranky Kong, Diddy Kong in a cameo. Uh, they, they kind of did it with Yoshi in, in a background scene, you know. So um, they they kind of got a lot off the list. So I feel like they're gonna they're gonna make you know gonna rely a lot on Wario and Waluigi for the next one. But yeah, that's Mario. Uh, uh, enjoyed, enjoyed. Uh, the only other film I watched this week is an old one, or not even not that old, but it's one I've talked about before. Rewatched uh, Batman Under the Red Hood which is one of the animated, the, the director DVD, I believe it was 10, 15 years ago at this stage film with, uh, um, Joe DiMaggio, Joe DiMaggio, John DiMaggio. I can't fucking speak today. My God, what is wrong with me? Bender off of that Futurama as the Joker. Um, uh, and Bruce Greenwood is, as, um, uh, uh, Batman and, um, Jensen Eccles, of I suppose most recently of the boys fame as the Red Hood. Good. Yeah, one of the better uh 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 Batman animated things that I've seen. Not quite on the level of Mask of the Phantasm, but very good nonetheless. Uh aged quite well. I think it 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 juggles a lot of um timelines. Like it's condensing a very elaborate, very famous comic book angle into a pretty tight film. It's about 90 minutes. A lot going on and they they streamline it quite well. So yeah, that's a that's a good one. I'd give that one a thumbs up. If anyone likes uh, if you enjoyed the ba- it's, uh, Batman the Animated Series and you wanted a, a, another film along those lines of quality, I would say Under the Red Hood is a great place to start. Um, I don't know if that's streaming anywhere, but you can get it in a CEX for two quid probably at this stage. Um, yeah, those are my films for this week. What have you boys been watching? I uh, just got a couple. Um, so first one, Bodies, 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 mm. uh, as, as reviewed by uh, Barry. Yes, recently, um, it's it's a kind of slasher film. It's not really a comedy. I thought it was more of a comedy. It's kind of, but not 
outright comedy. Is that fair yeah. to say? It's kind of it's a- very it's it's a very weird genre thing. It's because it's not really a horror either. It's not actually that scary, you know. No, it's not particularly scary. It's kind of like a, the format is kind of a slasher movie. So it's set in yeah. it's set in this in the kind of house like a a hot not a holiday home, but like a bunch of teenagers or early twenties people, <laughs> early twenties people, whatever that means. Go go to this house like on a vacation. And they're all incredibly annoying. They're all, they're not quite Gen Z. They're probably like Zillennials, you know, sort of from yeah. in between. So they're all on their phones and they're all annoying, you know. <laughs> yeah. um, Pete Davison's in it. Yes. That kind of person. Um, and then one, someone gets killed. Essentially that sparks things off. And then it turns into a bit of a, you know, surviving the night kind of thing. Um, I found everyone in it to be incredibly annoying. And also, not to sound like an old man, but I couldn't see a fucking thing. It was the the whole conceit of it is there's no there's no like lighting. It's all natural light sources. So because the the electricity goes out, so one of the characters has a torch uh, or their phone. Someone else has a glow glow stick. Someone else has like a headlamp thing. That's the only source of light throughout the movie. Fucking annoying. Didn't didn't like that. I also I, yeah, like Barry says, it wasn't scary. I was expecting a kind of funny horror comedy type thing. It wasn't particularly funny and it wasn't particularly scary. Um, and I hated all the characters and I wanted them to die. Um, <laughs> the, the, the best part is probably the ending's quite quite good, although I've seen it done better, I think, before. Um, but I, I didn't mind that. That was probably the, the, the high point of it. Uh, the rest, I just wasn't particularly interested. So, uh, yeah, that was <laughs> bodies, bodies, bodies. I, uh, not, no thumbs up from me on that one. No. Um and then um, we watched a film called The Girl Next Door, which is from uh, 2004. It's kind of a post-American pie. Um, virgins try to lose their virginity with a, a sexy woman type comedy, you know, of that era. Road yeah. Trip, another one, those kind of things. Kind of fits into that pocket, but it stars Emile Hirsch um, as, as the kind of main character who has a porn star moving next door to him, played by Alicia Cuthbert, better mm. known as uh, the daughter of Jack Bauer from 24, for people of a certain age who remember fans of that that show. Um, and she was, of course, a big, a big pin. After the 24 appearance, she was a very big kind of pin-up for, I think, a lot of uh, teenagers of that era. Uh, I don't know if Barry had a poster of her, but I'm sure a lot of people did. I probably did. Um, I can't remember, but... But um, yeah, so she moves in next door and they kind of get together somehow. A very strange movie. It didn't go the direction I was expecting. I thought it was going to be one of those kind of rom-coms where it's like, he finds out she's a porn star and he has to keep it quiet. And oh no, the parents are going to find out. And oh, they go to the prom. And it's it's a much kind of weirder movie than that. And it, it kind of reminded me much more of something from like the eighties, like one of those kind of really bawdy, like college comedies where yeah. um, a bunch of guys like put peep holes in a locker room and that kind of thing. It was, it should have been come out in 1984, not 2004. It felt very kind of old, but having said that I did, it was quite funny and silly. Uh, and I did enjoy the, um, the characters. It also says Paul Dano in it. He's like one of the friends of the main guy. Oh, really? really? <laughs> yeah, and he gives a... I mean, he's always good. He gives a really kind of funny, like, nerdy performance. Um, so, yeah. I, I, I think it kind of thumbs in the middle for that movie, surprisingly. I did actually quite like it. And it kind of makes me want to um, search out a few, a few more of those uh, kind of 
mid 2000s uh, sex comedies. I don't think I've ever actually seen Euro Trip. So I might have to I might have to watch that one. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's just probably the real bottom of the barrel, but yeah, yeah something like that. Um, um yeah. not another teen movie as well. That one that's actually a good one. I will stand up for not another teen movie. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't was, expressing an opinion on it either way. I'm just, well, just in case anyone out there is going on that two movie, but that is one of those spoof movies that was actually more. I'm not, I'm not saying it's good as like Airplane, but it's more towards that end. Like it does actually spoof that genre rather than just being references. Like it's. I mean, spoof movies were good up until about 2004. Yeah, yeah. yeah the first better. scary movie was was good. I think up to Scary Movie Three are, are perfectly watchable. I'll talk about that, but like yes. That. Yes, that was going next door. Not, not bad, not bad. Speaking of movies that are maybe not good, maybe not bad, I watched Snakes on a Plane. Go on. Uh, well, Sam Jackson's on a plane. Right, what else is on there? Snakes. Oh, they should Lots of the kind of gives it away, really. I, I, and mm. Darius the Rumble Grouch, is he in it? Or is that no, movie? he does not make an appearance in it, mm. unfortunately. Um, <laughs> it's um, so, so the setup to, to getting on the plane is like a very short episode of the new Hawaii Five O reboot, it's like that level of polish. There's a, there's a kid, he witnesses a murder, they need to get him away because in hawaii take him away on a plane so he can testify against this criminal right and uh so the criminal finds out which plane he's on and puts on that plane a big box of snakes with pheromones that are going to make the snakes go crazy right mm. and so i'm thinking right this is obviously not gonna be good but it'll be a a b movie level of enjoyment that that i'll be into and and it is at points, I, I think overall, it's a little. It's not crazy enough. Almost, there is there is a snake which bites a man on the penis. Okay, and there's a snake good. which bites a woman on the booby, which are, which are both high <laughs> points of the film. Um, but yeah, it's just it's a little bit. I don't know, not not silly enough almost for for its mm. title and premise. A lot of it is just oh, there's snakes over there. Quick, come go over here, make a blockade. Oh, we left someone behind. Oh, Jesus. Uh, go get the kid. Oh, the kid got bitten by the snake. Whatever. There's not like snakes being used as like boomerangs or lassos or yeah. crazy, you know, the snakes are turning into humans. You know, it, 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 it never gets entirely crazy enough. And then you only get the line, the famous, enough is enough. That's like an hour 25 into like an hour 45 movie. Mm. Um, and it's and it's a complete non sequitur. It's not what they're talking about at all. It's not like the snake situation has escalated to a point where he's like, "Enough is enough." Um, what happens is they're discussing how to land the plane because the pilot has been incapacitated. And Keenan Thompson, who's like a video game player, he's like, "I can do it." Right? <laughs> and they're talking about, "Yeah, you're going to land the plane. You're going to save us. You're going to land the plane." And then Sam Jackson just goes, "Enough is enough." And you're like, "Wait a minute. That's not where this is, should happen in the film. Surely this doesn't make any sense." Um, but I mean, look, I, I kind of couldn't help myself, but kind of, you know, enjoy it a, a bit. It, it wasn't horrible. It was like, it was fine. Uh, I just wish it was, it, it embraced its silliness even more than it does. You know, it should, it should be completely silly. Mm. 
but it felt like they were trying to make an actual B movie. Sam Jackson got involved and they never fully embraced the silliness. Unfortunately, it was, it was okay. It was okay. It was yeah. definitely better than I anticipated it was going to be, but um, I have it on DVD. So I'm working my way through my collection. I figure I'll stick it on. It might be fun. Uh, and then I watched Ambulance, which is 2022's uh, Michael Bay. Yes, that was it. Yeah, which I also have. I picked up on DVD, starring Jake Gyllenhaal and Candyman, whose name I don't really remember. Uh, oh God! Is it Ab- Abdul something? Let me. I can look this up because it's going to annoy me now. Whatever that guy's name is from the new Candyman. They're the two leads in it. And the story is to do with a kind of a bank heist gone wrong and ambulance gets commandeered. And it's from that point on, it's basically like speed or Mad Max Fury Road, where it's just one long like chase scene, basically. Oh, the main guy from the new Canyon. No, I thought not Tony Todd. Not Canyon. No, no, the, the main guy. Yeah. Uh, Yaya Abdul Mateen the second. He's the one. And uh, again, it's kind of like it's, it's, it's so dumb, but it's like transcendently dumb. Right. This I've heard this about this film, yeah. Yeah, it's 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 really stupid. The dialogue is horrible. Um Michael Bay obviously got a drone that Christmas because there are so many drone shots where it's like, right, we're gonna pan down this fucking building, just like going towards the ground like a Batman shot, right? <laughs> And then twist around and oh my god, the ambulance. And like that's nice once as an establishing shot, but like 20 times in the film. So much uh extraneous use of drone shots. But it's it's very fun. Like it's 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 by no means great or anything, but it's it was a, a fun, a fun little watch. I'll say towards the end, there's definitely 10 minutes that could be chopped off off the end of it. It's a little long. But as far as that genre of movie goes, whether it's, like I said, your speed, your unstoppable, your, it obviously is not quite Fury Road, but it's, as far as those movies go, it's a very fun little, uh, fun little uh, entry in, in that. But there's, there's a lot of moments, you know, you know, when you hear the cliche of like, you got to check your brain at the door, there's a lot of moments in this where you're like, that doesn't make any sense. That doesn't make any sense. That wouldn't happen. Why is that happening in that order? That wouldn't happen. This film is, is full of contrivances like that, and you just have to kind of go along with it. But it's it's fun. It's very fun. Um, and that's the movies that I watched. Nothing nothing good, but two per- perfectly passable bits of fun, bits of fluff. All righty. Uh, that is our films for the week. What about telly, boys? What have you boys been watching? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know how we quite approach this, Joe. There's, well, there's a. We were watching Succession, obviously, and you were, as we are, as we are want to do. And there are, there are certain milestone episodes of TV shows, like The Constant in Lost or the Christmas episode of Father Ted, <laughs> that. You know, there's those episodes, or the Red Wedding of, of Game of Thrones is, is maybe better, where where storyline is building, and it doesn't necessarily pay off in in in, in the finale, right? There, there's there's a milestone episode of a series that is, the, the series is known for, 
um, which isn't necessarily the finale or is not necessarily the culmination of the story. Mm. And I feel like we got that with Succession this week in an absolutely excellent episode. Uh, we can't really say much more than that, Joe, because no. to I think to mention it would, as I said, it, because it pays off literally years of buildup. Mm. We can't really go into details, but it was it was uh, quite spectacular. It was it was epic, and it was so different from a, a normal ep- from the other episodes. They've never done anything like yes. This. Yeah, you know what I mean, in terms of the emotion and the the I don't know the the nature of it as well, just how kind of intimate it felt. Like, oh, yeah, it's complete departure from everything they've done, but in a brilliant way. Like, you could do that with some TV shows where you completely go in a different direction, and it feels like just uh, incongruous between you know the other the the rest of the show. But this felt perfect, I think. Oh, absolutely. Um, and I mean, I, th- I think to use again the Red Wedding as a kind of mm. comparison point, it felt like the Red Wedding insofar as if you were really following the story, you might have anticipated what was to come. Mm. But but it felt like the Red Wedding in the sense of if the, I'm, I'm going to spoil the Red Wedding here, so sorry, Game of Thrones overrated anyway, fuck it. If the, <laughs> the murders at the end of the Red Wedding happened at like the beginning of the episode, and the episode was dealing with, in real time, let's say, the emotions yeah. of the other characters as they're finding out about the Red Wedding. Yeah. And if the Red Wedding happened, like, off screen. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and what we got, because of, because of the payoff of this storyline, was this, like, claustrophobic, um, you know, anyway, in terms of you know succession, in, ter- in terms of the, the the show is about this family, about this mm. business, and so on. We, you know, even looking at it, whether familial or business, when there's a major change or or even like to use WWE as an example, a merger, the uncertainty and the every character feeling like, what does this event mean mm. for me personally, and how do I react to other people about it, and. Uh, God, it was yeah. One of, one of, I think one of the best episodes of television. Hate to hate to hyperbolize. I've ever seen. It was up there. It was up there. It uh, it it you know as far as as far as payoffs to to you know we we've all watched movies and shows and and I know I'm hypercritical of of movies that have endings that don't quite stick the landing mm. it's so refreshing when you when you see one and you're like fuck they nailed it yeah, yeah. <laughs> they nailed it but you know i've obviously been talking up succession for quite a while now as as a show that's uh, you know above above the grade and mm. better than anything else on tv and and i think this just reinforces that is not only do they do the day-to-day really well but they nailed the big moments and succession mm. not only in this episode but in, in previous series, I feel like we've had moments that were really... I, th- I think of that season one finale. Oh, my God. Was I was I not ready for that? They, they nailed the big moments so, so well. Yeah. And it's funny because I have a, a friend who's just started watching Succession. And he, felt, he, he was kind of in the same boat as me when I started watching. And when I watched the first two, three episodes, I was like, mm. you know, the, the comedy, I'm not sure it's quite my thing. And, the, and it's like... It's 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 not a show where it's like you got to watch two seasons and then it gets really good. Mm. It's like maybe three or four episodes in, you, it'll kind of click for you and you'll get it. And I remember my feeling watching that season one finale. I was like, oh my god, this show. Yeah. So, you know, it's so rare now for me. 
I, I watch a show and I'm on like on the edge of my chair, heart pounding, you know, breath stuck in my throat. Like, oh my God. And the surprise, and I guess this is a spoiler in a sense for people, so sorry, but this, this, the, the surprise of the payoff coming in episode three of a season rather than episode eight or nine. And that's yeah. a spoiler only in the sense of now, if people are going to watch it, you know, when you get to this episode, <laughs> oh my God, something's going to happen here. Um, is in a sense, is it's it's like I don't say it's revolutionary, but it's like it's just another twist on it that oh my god, I didn't expect we were going to get a finale level sh- episode here. Yeah, but I've been saying also for years that Succession is 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 a show where your mid season episodes at times feel like finales. Oh, it's yeah. not necessarily a show that keeps its its payoffs for the end, which for, is no, refreshing. No, no. Right? It, it mixes it up definitely. Um. From the very beginning, from episode one, this kind of happened as well, didn't it? With, without going into into specifics, but yeah, fantastic TV, and I can't I can't wait for tomorrow. Oh, it's like WrestleMania every Monday, baby! <laughs> it's tremendous, <laughs> and I feel so bad for Barry that he's sitting there going, "All oh, right, all right, uh, okay." But it was like it almost felt to me. Well, first of all, I'm thankful that I was able to catch up in time to mm-hmm. watch this. It kind of feels, I, I don't want to say this for, for Barry who hasn't watched it, because I don't know, but it almost feels like a you had to be there moment. You, like, almost you had to be caught unawares by it, in a sense. But, um, I mean, my God, what a what a show, what, what writing, what performances. Mm-hmm. <sighs> perfect cast as well and funny because i was talking to somebody else about you know this harry potter show that's that's been announced oh. someone was asking me like fucking, I, I, I don't want to put who who asked me this i'm not throwing them under the bus because they're really you know a good <laughs> friend of mine but who would you cast for this thing i was like i just fucking cast the entire cast of succession <laughs> <They're> <laughs> not, this is the last season they're gonna be all free soon tom wamsbaugh get out mcfadden in he can be harry. as harry yeah no. uh, co- uh cousin greg can be Hagrid, <laughs> new take on Hagrid. I don't know. Shave as Ron. She's ginger. So, <laughs> but I mean, I mean that's the other thing, is right? All these people are going to now come out of this show as hot commodities. Oh, you know? they're, they're the, the, the quality of performance is so strong. Fuck it out. I watched uh, Kieran Culkin on. Uh, oh my god! On, um, well, it was on a Hot Ones episode. This YouTube yeah. channel, Eat Hot Peppers. Which I never watched normally, but like we watched it because he was on it, and he's so he's I like him so much. He's a huge wrestling fan as well. Yeah, he's, he's been to like fifteen WrestleManias or something. Um, so I like him even more. But uh, yeah, hell of a show. I mean, if he doesn't win an Oscar for this one, I'll be or Oscar, fuck me, uh, <laughs> Emmy, Emmy, I'll be I'll be surprised. I thought I thought he he especially in this one. Because he, you know, he plays the smarmy kind of jokey, but here he got to do some real, real acting. acting. Yeah, tremendous. Um, and in in equal quality, Joe, Mandalorian. <laughs> how are you? How are you making your way through? I that? haven't. I haven't seen this week's. It's, you watched last week's, though, did you? The one with Jack Black and yeah, and Lizzo. Lizzo, yeah. Uh, that yeah, the last couple have just completely washed over me. Like I couldn't <laughs> tell you anything that happened. It was so. It, it kind of reminded me of like an episode of a, a kid's cartoon from when I was a kid. Like, you know what I mean? Right. That's such a really simple kind of plot. Someone has yeah. to turn up and save the day and then things like, like this. Yeah. Nothing really substantial. 
and and people were people were turning on this one very badly. Yeah, I don't even mind the cameos that much. Like I could have lived with that if it was a really good episode. I think the problem as well is that this episode was was not in isolation. It feels like the the episode before I I was very critical of it being mm. kind of pointless ultimately, and it's like well. Come on then, let's let's get the the ball rolling here. Yeah, um, I will say episode seven was was more uh, in that direction. But I don't know. I just feel like Mandalorian has kind of run its course at this stage. You know, how much more can we do with little little Grogu and 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 Mando? Yeah, I mean, that, ha- that hasn't already been done. Like, you know, they told the end of the story, but then they wanted to bring it back. And so now we're kind of just. It felt like season two had a definitive ending. Yeah, but they didn't like it. They wanted, to, yeah, they wanted to keep going. Which, yeah, and, and this season has felt very supplementary. It's felt very superfluous. And yeah, I don't know. I, I especially now that they're announcing all these other properties that are going to culminate in a movie. Oh. I, I think I mentioned last week. Like, I don't have the. Uh, Never mind we're getting AEW Collision of a Saturday now. I haven't got the commitment to be watching Ahsoka and Glebor Bleeborp no, and his troop and um, Babu Frick's uh, Variety <laughs> Hour, although I might make time for that. I would, I would watch that. Um, you know, I, I, I fear that Mandalorian doesn't quite have the appeal that it once did and, <laughs> you know. I'm kind of over it, unfortunately. For for as unique and cool as it was in season one, it's just it, I think it's just run out of steam a little bit. It's a shame. Uh, I watched Poker Face as well, another ep of that. Really good, really enjoying that. That's the Peacock exclusive uh, Ryan Johnson show with Natasha Leon in the lead. Great cameos throughout as well. Really, really enjoying that. But I find that I only watch like one a week, so I'm not gonna have many more updates. But I'll, I'll update again when I finish it. But that that's that's a really fun show. That's a show where ah, it's so refreshing that it's not a part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe or the Star Wars yeah. universe, or it's it's just a fun show about a woman crossing America solving murders, and she there's a little weird supernatural element to it where. She is not really supernatural, but she has like a power where she can tell if someone's lying. Mm. So she'd always be like, did you do it? <laughs> You're bullshitting me. But then she has to find the proof, you know, that, 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 that's the fun thing about the show is it's never a mystery of who does the murder, like your murder she wrote or your, mm. your shows like that. you the, the show is always segmented into thirds. The first third is always, you see the crime. So the setup is you meet the new characters, you get a little bit of context, a little bit of background, and you see the the event. And and then she shows she pulls into town and she puts the pieces together. She she usually gets involved somehow in that group. Like the most recent one I watched was to do with a a metal band. And she kind of and then you see that she actually had showed up and she had started working for them as their like merch girl. Uh, and so she's actually involved in it. And she figures out what happens from there. But it's it's really fun. It's really, really fun. It's just a shame that because on Peacock, it's not like freely available over here. You have mm. to uh, you have to nefariously obtain it. But it's very good. It's very fun. And if it, it does come to um, Amazon or Netflix or one of those, I, I'd recommend people checking it out. It's, it's great. 
video games. Completed two video games this week. Go on. Kirby. Lovely. Loved it. It's great. I will say I didn't bother with the post-game stuff. When you finish the game, there's like a, another post-game world. I was like, I've had enough. Yeah. I've had enough Kirby. But it's really fun. It's, Fair it's enough, a re- yeah. It's a really fun little game. I was actually playing a bit more of it after you mentioned it last it's week. Cool. And I'm kind of thinking, like, they're they're fun and everything, but I'm kind of thinking I might, like, stop doing those, like, op- those side things. Where- I never replayed level to get an, another, like, to finish those. No, so I've, I haven't done that either. But I mean, the no. you know, the little, like, oh, of course, basically. Right, right, right. They're, they're cool. They're well done. But I'm just kind of like, I... I think I just want to get through this. It's, it's, I, uh, I did every one of those, but they're they're not important. You're totally the, the, skippable. You, well, you only need them to get the star things to upgrade mm. your powers. But when I finished the game, I had like 12 of those left over because I didn't get enough coins anyway to upgrade. Yeah, them, and so. I, I have not felt the need to upgrade a power or do anything, you know, meaningful. Uh, well, by the end, you do need to have your powers upgraded. But okay. um, you just upgrade the most important ones. Your fire... <laughs> You know, your whirlwind. The whirlwind so, is great. Stuff like the snow and stuff I never used. Or the bombs. Yeah. Um, Because there's like three tiers to everything. You do more damage and so on. So by the end for the boss, you do need that. But I, fa- I found that I never had enough coins anyway to upgrade everything. So I just concentrated on the few that I like to use anyway. Like three or four core ones and you're normally covered. Yeah. Um. So I enjoyed that a lot. And I also finished A Way Out. The uh, EA co-op. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uncharted-like, I guess. That was a lot of fun by the end. It, it's actually slow, quite slow at the beginning. But once you're once you're in the back half, it gets very action-orientated, very fast-paced. And it's got a killer twist at the end as well. So yeah. I thought that was a lot of fun. So if you're somebody to play that with, it, it is still on Game Pass as well. So yeah. a little freebie there. It's, yeah. uh, it's, it's really fun. Really, really fun. That's that's actually yeah. That's I might I might play that with Brona. I've beaten it already, but but she won't. She won't. Okay, so you've you, yeah. yeah. I know that. I, 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 I found it. the latter half when you have like, especially the hospital scene. I thought was was great. Where yeah, where it's, it's flicking back and forth. Like it's there's some really really clever stuff in there. I really enjoyed it. I I because funnily enough actually because we we played a couple of hours of It Takes Two together. And she loves that. And she keeps pestering me to go back to it. But yeah. My fucking Xbox controller's fucking broken, so I can't. Mm. Um. Uh. But yeah, I of of that team as games, they also did a Brothers, um, uh, Tale of Two Souls, or whatever it was called. I think A Way Out might be the best. And A Way Out like really slept on it. Like, it Takes Two won Game of the Year awards and stuff like that. Right. It Takes Two fairly tepidly received. I think It Takes Two is. Oh fucking god! What is up with me today? I I know a way, out. a way out is underrated. Jesus, goddamn Christ! My brain is not working today. Um, a way out, pretty slept on. I think. I, I think kind of harshly reviewed. I think at the time. Yeah. It's um, good. On that subject, actually, we did we did play a game together uh, this week. We played the Simpsons arcade game because I wanted to play something that was co op that mm. would be fun and that we could play together. And very specific, we played the PS3 version uh, because uh, so I have it. I have it on. I have the arcade game on the Steam Deck. But emulating arcade games is weird because the the Simpsons game had physical player one, two, and three mm. buttons. So there's not a menu. So you so you, so like when I'm I'm on player one, so I can set it up and I can get the game running for the two of us. And I I can't. I there's a way I can change over to say Bart who's player three but I then lose control of the system if that makes sense because I have to basically 
you know, right. in the, it, technically I'm plugging the controller out of port one and putting it in port three, for example. Too much messing. So so the, the PS3 version, which is sadly lost to time on, unless you're willing to do emulation, they never brought that forward. That's the only... That is the only home port that's on 360 as well. That generation is the only home port of the arcade game, which is really, really a shame because um, uh, it's a, such a fondly remembered arcade game. But they ported that to PS3 and Xbox Live uh, in 2011. And that one, they put in like a menu. You can just pick who you want to be. Um, uh, so we played through that and we beat it and she enjoyed it and I enjoyed it. I, I, I beat it a few uh, uh, months ago as well. And I explained, I was like, yeah, now we did that and it cost us nothing because... It has a couple of modes, actually. It has, like, hardcore will give you X amount of quote-unquote quarters to beat the game with. But we were just playing it on, you can just keep playing. You can just play until you beat it. And I was explaining to her that when me and my buddy Andrew beat this game at an arcade bar last year, it cost us, like, a tenner each (laughs) to, to do it. But we just wanted to do it for the novelty after 20 years of saying... We, we were able to beat it, but I was like, yeah, so this is... Because me and her were, like, dying all the time, and I was like, okay, just so you know, every time little devil Bart appears over your character, that's a Euro to go again uh, on, uh, you know, in, in a modern arcade bar. Mm. But yeah, it's... it's uh, That game is extremely basic. It is You jump and you punch, do you know what I mean? It's it's But it's it's cute. Um, I haven't really been playing anything else this week. Um, if you want to do our albums for the week... <gasps> I have an album. I have an album. Um, so I decided this week to go with a bit of a classic. And I listened mm-hmm. to one I had, I'd never listened to fully before. Uh, Nevermind by Nirvana. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, so obviously it starts off with Spells Like Teen Spirit. <laughs> Heard that one once or twice before. <laughs> um, but I think what I didn't realize is how many of the songs that I, I already kind of knew that I was so familiar with. Like It starts off Smells Like Teen Spirit, then In Bloom come as you are breed lithium like all of those songs immediately like yeah yeah yeah, fucking hell these are classics i mean (laughs) start off with those five tracks on an album (sighs) they're not really messing around are they it's pretty good um songs after that it was still great i mean it's just it's that kind of sound it must have been i don't know so kind of different and unique and this is why they were they were the band that they were to just create that kind of sound where it's it's got it's not depressing it's not a kind of even though it's grungy it's it's and the, and the lyrics are quite introspective it's not a depressing sound you know what i mean it's it's quite it's very rocky um mm. and you can kind of feel that kind of almost pop punk influence that came out of, Nav- of nirvana even though that they're not that um there is one song on there i think it was lounge act that sounds very uh, foo fighters to me and I was mm. like, oh, okay, Dave Grohl coming through there. But yeah, the album's the album's really good. I mean, I can't say too much more about it. It's, it's an iconic album. Great artwork, great songs. I loved every every track on it. It ranked very highly for me in uh, the albums I've listened to so far. Yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's near perfect. I, I love when people that will go. Uh, actually, it's overproduced, and I like their previous album that sounded like uh, shit. That's how I like my Nirvana. Just sound like sounding goofy. It's like, well, I liked when they were, you know, wrote good songs. Yeah, because yeah. I, I, I don't really get on with Nirvana's first album at all, really. Um, and I do like In Utero as well. Mm. Um, but I, I, I do think as um cliche as it might be like never mind is is the one right 
absolutely. Um, Bleach, Bleach, I think is is apart from maybe about a girl, which is on it, which is really good. Negative creep as well. I think I think a lot of that albums is very skippable. And then In Utero has some really some really great stuff as mm. well. But uh, never mind this. Never mind this king. Um, I listened to a new album. It's Metallica. <gasps> They're back. Better than They're, ever, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, they have a new album out called 72 Seasons. That's with an S. Um, and it is, you know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that was about what I was expecting, yeah. <laughs> so so first of all, it's an hour 17 long. I think it's an hour 17. Um, I don't know. I feel like they've just um, they've just forgotten how to write a cool, crunchy lick. You know, think back to your your sad but true. Junk, junk, junk. They've forgotten how to do their their kind of more ballady ones. Think nothing else matters. Unforgiven. Um, one kind of. Uh, what Metallica do now is they do one song. 14 times and it's always seven minutes long and every song sounds a little bit like this like everyone you can just picture undertaker on his bike yeah and every song sounds the same um there's no variety at all on the album like think about you know i know i know people feel uh, some people are very on the black album side of the divide some people are more on the you know justice for all more trash metal side whatever either way those albums had at least variety to them you know it feels like they they've they've really just got into this one way of songwriting and it it's 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 a damn shame because I'm I'm a Metallica fan. I've seen them live twice, and uh, I think of their hits, they got some real bangers in there. Um, this album, I think there was like three tracks on it that I liked, but it's like it, it was a little bit like, and this might be the only ever review of the new Metallica album. It was a little bit like Honey Dijon, Go on. where <laughs> where where it's just the one kind of sound throughout. Which in house music, that's that's the genre. But metal should lend itself to more experimentation and more variety in the sound. But it's just like they just do one, one, one chuggy riff over and over again. You know, there's like one or two songs that stand out a little bit. I think, um, what was the name of the song I really liked on it? I actually quite like the last song. The last song is the one that's 11 minutes long. I actually thought it was, that was pretty good. But... Um, Overall, I gotta say it's a big disappointment. Um, too far gone. Too far gone is a good little, a good little, uh, good little hit. But I don't know. I was I was hoping every time I would listen to a track, I'd say, "Well, this sounds like that again." But the next one will be different. <laughs> it ain't. It's not. So sorry, Metallica. I'm gonna give you the thumb. The thumb is is up. Oh, wait a minute. It's it's Dave Batista. The thumb oh, no. is turning. 
it's a thumbs down. It's a thumbs down from me for the boys. Sorry. Sorry. It's not, it's, not, it's not even that the songs are horrible. It's just, it's worthless. There's nothing to it. I, don't, I didn't get anything from it. Anything from it. One or two, one or two tracks that I went, this is all right. Um, but like, it's not like there was a, a riff or a lick that I'm coming out and thinking, ah, remember that one? Very forgettable. Very, very, very mid, as the kids say. Alrighty. That's going to do it for the music this week, and that's going to do it for our show. Thank you very much for listening, everyone. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, uh, we'll be back next week to talk, I mean, the inevitable AEW fallout and news, uh, along with our various other guffs and 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 uh, what have you. You can email us, chairshoppodcast.com, little email form. You can uh, pop us over a correspondence um, uh, to let us know uh, uh, what's on your mind. Uh, I'm going I'm to shoot out my own little email correspondence to Tony Khan. Can you boys just fucking take it easy for a week? I I, I can't be doing these two and a half hour podcasts every yeah, week. Yeah, let's rein it ha- in. Can we have a week, Tony? Please. <laughs> Tell the boys just take a week off. Let's rein take- it in, boys. Let's calm down. Yeah, we don't need we don't need any more half an hour wrestling news guffs, please. I want the only next the only news I want next week, death of Vince McMahon. We we do quickly <laughs> move on. <laughs> oh, and also the president has been arrested for murder. Uh, you know, more than that next week. Uh, yeah. All right, we're gonna call it there, folks. Thank you very much for listening to this uh, mammoth episode. We'll be back to, to do another one next week. No, we're not gonna I promise. It's goodbye from me. It's goodbye from Paul. Bye. And it's goodbye from Joe. Goodbye. <laughs>